Well, I'm ready if you are, folks. That's all I can say. I'm ready to go. Are you ready to go? Are you ready to listen? Are you ready to dial? Are you ready to participate? Come on, I'm trying to pump you up, folks. I'm trying to pump you up. It's very hard to get motivated on a Wednesday. Are you reckon? Are you with me on that? Wednesdays, every day has a feel, right? Do you agree? Don't look at me blank-faced. I was, I was poised to ask you a question. Don't you reckon? Every day has a feel. Describe to me Monday. Okay, Monday is, oh, weekend's over, but here it is. Come on, drag your ass up and get moving. Tuesday. Okay, we got through Monday. I can sniff a Wednesday. Uh, Tuesday, struggle. But um, let's get going. Wednesday's a bit woofy. What does Wednesday Wednesday smell like? Wednesday's just bland. You reckon? Wednesday doesn't have a feel. Thursday, you can sniff a Friday. Friday, you can sniff a weekend. Friday's got a. Saturday, just. Hello. But um, every day has a feel, but Wednesday has a a strange feel to it, don't you think? It depends if I'm peckish. What? Oh, it really depends on the mood. Did you say it depends if I'm peckish? Yeah. What, hungry? Yeah. Well, I'm not usually. Oh, jeez. But if I'm peckish, it's good. Okay. Well, thank you, Thomas. Thank you for that insight. Uh, folks, Wednesday is here. So please, if you'd like to get motivated and get us through this middle of the week, I need your help. One triple three five three is the telephone number. The, you can email us, nightshift.mm.com.au, and um, we'll create some conversation and get through this morning together. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. And um, remember, caller of the week will be drawn. I reckon the caller of the week this week so far is the Reverend Jim. What about that? We're talking about the uh, the uh, alcohol excise, which comes through twice a year without any noise. It just slips on through. And um, now schooners could cost about $15 in some pubs and clubs and there was a caller that said he's concerned that his local club may well shut down because people just can't afford to have a beer there. And the Reverend Jim said, um, I think that uh, it's more important that a local town has a pub than a, than a church. He believes the pub's more important than the church. This is the head of the Outreach Ministries Australia. It was an amazing thing to say. And uh, the response we got was overwhelmingly in favour of the Reverend Jim. I, was, I think so far he's caller of the week. Uh, I get a feeling the Reverend Jim will be joining us on the Man Cave this Friday. Adam McDonald, the Vice Captain, and myself, we invite different guests on uh, uh, every Friday. And uh, the Reverend Jim could be with us on the Man Cave, so you'll have a chance to ring up and, and talk to him. He's an expert. Well, he's not an expert, but he has an opinion on just about everything. It should be a lot of fun. That's coming up on Friday here on the Night Shift, the Man Cave around Australia. But let's get to what Australia is talking about today. The Reserve Bank, what did you make of it? The Reserve Bank of Australia has warned borrowers that they could face another interest rate hike. And this is even though inflation has fallen to a two-year low. The Governor, Michelle Bullock, and her Monetary Policy Board left the cash rate on hold yesterday. Uh, It's still at a 12-year high of 4.35%. Uh, but she um, has scotched any suggestion of an interest rate cut. Well, did she or didn't she? I actually think that she went to a bit of effort to say nothing. So I think she actually went to a bit of effort to ab- absolutely say nothing. So you, you tell me, is there an interest rate cut coming up or not? 
that's exactly what she said. We actually don't know. Have a listen. We haven't ruled anything out and we haven't ruled anything in. Um, yeah, there you go. Thanks. <laughs> but, no, there's a bit more to it. We haven't ruled anything out and we haven't ruled anything in. Um, so I would, I would say we have maintained the option that it might be that there has to be more rate rise, but there might not be either. <laughs> nothing's in, nothing's out. The optionality here really needs to be maintained because we need to be driven by the data. And I'd come back to the point that I made earlier. I really understand that the mortgage holders are sweating on this. I do understand that. But the big issue that's confronting not just mortgage holders, but everyone, is inflation. Yeah, yeah. I'm not ruling anything in and not ruling anything out. So, in fact, she said absolutely nothing. I'd actually rather that from the Governor of the Reserve Bank than the former Governor of the Reserve Bank, Philip Lowe, uh, saying in 2021 that there wouldn't be an interest rate hike until 2024. That was in 2021. Here we are, 2024, and we've had 12 of them. Thanks, Philip. And a lot of people, including my stepdaughters, heard what Philip Lowe said and said, okay, well, um, now's the time for us to go for a housing loan. Duh! So I'd rather the governor err on the side of caution than say things that just they're not qualified to say. But anyway, we'll talk more about that with Shane Oliver a little bit later on. Um, Look, Australia is still reeling from this terrible attack on this grandmother in Queensland. Uh, Police say that the parents of those five teenagers that have been arrested after Viley White, 70 years of age, was stabbed in the chest in an alleged robbery at Red Bank Plains in Ipswich on Saturday night. Uh, The boys, as we all now know, aged between 15 and 16, they were arrested over the weekend on a Monday. A 16-year-old Bellbird Park boy has been charged with her murder as well as unlawful use of a motor vehicle. The parents have all said that they are abhorred at all of this and they say that they condemn what's occurred. Well, so they should. So they should. And so, once again, we're left in this position where we ask ourselves, how is it that such... A heinous crime can happen in broad daylight on a defenceless 70-year-old woman with her six-year-old grandchild with her. How is it that a woman can be stabbed over the theft of a car? The, The parents say that they are disturbed by all of this. In fact, from my understanding, the boy that's been charged with murder, his father handed him in on the Sunday night, and he'll be charged. I don't know whether he'll be charged as an adult or a juvenile. Uh, Their names will never, ever, ever be published because they are juveniles. But how is it that we're at this stage? You know, everybody, whenever you hear of juvenile crime, everyone says, oh, where are the parents? What are the parents doing? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. The parents say that they're deeply upset and uh, disturbed by what's transpired here. The fact of the matter is juvenile crime continues to soar and not just in Queensland, but around Australia. If you missed my chat with Pauline Hanson, Senator Pauline Hanson, um, the other day, I'll replay it for you shortly because she has some really strong things to say about juvenile crime. Do we lock kids up? Pauline Hanson says uh, juvenile detention's a waste of time. She told me on this program 
that she believes that juvenile detention is a holiday camp where they have you know, pinball machines and swimming pools and tennis courts and widescreen TVs and video games. And that a lot of kids prefer it in juvenile detention than living with their parents. This is what Pauline Hansen said on this program just yesterday. I'll replay that for you shortly. I want you to have a listen to what she has to say. And then I need your reaction. Have you ever had trouble with the police when you were growing up did you slide off the rails how are you going today and what put you back on the rails was it something like a police youth club the police citizens youth club used to be very very active back in the 80s and into the 90s now i'm not sure i've lost touch i've lost uh, touch as to where the police citizens youth club organization is by today's standards, and how the police are using those clubs to stay in touch with the local youth. As I say, when I went to regional Australia to work in radio back in 1980, the local police citizens youth club was very, very active in the area, and the young kids that were troubled were taken on by these police officers, they were taught to box. They were taught to fight. They were taught to play sport. They went out on weekend camping trips and they really did seem to have their finger on the pulse as to what was happening in the local community with troubled youths. Is it, does it still go on? Anyway, we need to talk about it and I'd love to hear your thoughts. One triple three five three is the telephone number. It's hard to believe this 70-year-old woman stabbed over a, a, a car theft in broad daylight at the shopping centre in front of her six-year-old granddaughter who is going to be scarred for life. I hope she's getting the, the help that she needs. Gee whiz. Just imagine witnessing that as a six-year-old. What do you do? One triple three five three. Uh, King Charles, we broke this story on our program yesterday. We were the first to bring it to you. King Charles, as we all know now, uh, has been diagnosed with a form of cancer, according to Buckingham Palace. The latest is that the type of cancer hasn't been revealed. It's not prostate cancer, but it was discovered during his recent treatment for an enlarged prostate. Uh, the king began regular treatments on Monday, and he's going to postpone public duties during that treatment. Uh, the monarch is 75 and remains wholly positive about his treatment and looks forward to returning to full public duty as soon as possible, the statement says. Hugh Whitfield is Channel 7's uh, London reporter and uh, correspondent. We've spoken to Hugh many times over the years, and he's a good mate of the program. And He will know what the very latest is. We'll cross to Hugh sometime between now and when we pull up stumps. So stay with us. We could be crossing to Hugh Whitfield at any moment. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Well, Dick Smith is back in the news, and it's his favourite topic. And I've got to tell you, I've spoken to Dick Smith about this many times, and it's his passion. He is worried sick that our immigration levels are way too high. They need to be slashed. And he thinks Australia is going to suffer, not just in the long term, but in the short term. He claims... High immigration is causing the country's soaring house prices. He says numbers need to be slashed. Now, we um, have half a million 
migrants coming to Australia before June this year and a projected 650,000 the year later. Dick Smith has told Sky News that high immigration is pushing up house prices, locking out potential first-home buyers, and he says that our immigration levels have to be slashed to just 75,000 a year. Net overseas migration, the number of people coming in minus the number going out, was a record 518,000 in the 2022-23 financial year. And Australia's population is estimated to double in the next 50 years. Now, why are we relying so highly on immigration? And the answer's really simple. We're not breeding. We are not filling the jobs that's needed to be filled in order to keep the country going. We have those people who listen to this program regularly, uh, uh, Truckee Tuesday. There is a shortage of people driving trucks, delivering food. We have a shortage of builders. We have a shortage of tradesmen. And if Australia is going to get building and keep moving, we need people to do these jobs. And if Australians don't want them, the only alternative is to import those jobs, import people who will do those jobs. And Australians aren't breeding. Our reproductive numbers are at the lowest they've been in many, many years. Ask yourself why. I mean, let's have the conversation. It's expensive to raise children in this country. Interest rates. People don't know where they're going to be in 12 months time, let alone 10 years time. The cost of educating our children. For Christ's sake, this week we've spoken about how much it costs to get your kids involved in sport. And so young Australians are going, bugger that. I, you know, we can't keep our heads above water. I'd rather go on an overseas trip and have a nice car, try and get a deposit together on somewhere to live. And the thought of reproducing and going to the expense of raising children is just too much for young couples to contemplate. That's why we need immigration. Australians aren't reproducing. And the government understands that if we don't reproduce, we cease to create a tax base for future Australians. When all the baby boomers have finally retired and are drawing on a pension because they haven't got enough superannuation and they're drawing on the health system, who's going to pay for all that? The only way to pay for it is through taxes. And if you haven't got enough people paying taxes, you are in serious trouble. So Dick Smith is concerned that our way of life is being challenged. And I've spoken to him about this before. I'll replay a chat that I had recently with Dick Smith, and he outlines really simply what he's talking about. He says, we can continue on our immigration trajectory, but it won't be good for normal people. It'll be great for the wealthy. They'll make even more money. Our billionaires have doubled their wealth in five years and they'll keep getting wealthier. He reckons the figures are actually worse. At the present growth rate from the huge immigration, we're going to end up at 100 million people in Australia when our grandkids will still be alive at the end of the century. No one believes 100 million is sensible for an arid 
country like Australia. And he's arguing that immigration of about 75,000 a year is what we should be looking at. More on that later this morning, but I'm sure you have thoughts. How do we fill the jobs that are desperately needed without bringing in people from overseas? Here's my challenge to you, listeners. You come up with an idea. How do we encourage Australians to take the jobs that are going wanting? One triple three five three is the number. Um, what else is happening? Peter Dutton, of course, has unloaded on the Prime Minister over his backflip on the Stage 3 tax cuts. Um, look, I think Peter Dutton's got to walk a little bit carefully here. Um, you know, he was in a hiding to nothing if he voted against the tax cuts and uh, because middle Australia and, and, and lower earning Australians are loving it, are absolutely loving it. And um, he's been m- politically manoeuvred into a wedge. And uh, I think that he's just got to look at the next election and say, okay, well, how can we then combat bracket creep, which is what the third stage of those tax cuts would have would have addressed. He's got he's been politically outmaneuvered by Albanese on this one, Peter Dutton. Absolutely outmaneuvered. But um but uh I think he's got to choose his words very carefully and he's got to come up as an alternative government with a great alternative plan. One triple three five three is the telephone number. I mentioned uh the latest from Buckingham Palace is that King Charles has been diagnosed with a form of cancer. We don't know what that is. He's going to be taking a back step to his official duties until he's better. Uh, with the very latest, Hugh Whitfield has rung through now. He's on the line early in the program. Hugh, thank you so much. Good morning to you. Good morning, Luke. Good to talk to you again, mate. Well, we broke this news yesterday uh, towards the end of our program, and it's stunned the nation. Hugh, what's the very latest? What can you tell us? Well, the latest is that Harry has touched down back in the UK after scrambling on to a red-eye flight from L.A. Uh, shortly after the news was made public and not long after probably he was made aware of his father's diagnosis. He looks like he's on his way to Clarence House now where his father lives. Um, the Royal Standard flying above Buckingham Palace, but uh, Charles and Camilla haven't left Clarence House since uh, the king ascended the throne, and he's now on day two of his outpatient treatment for this undisclosed cancer. So he's gotten to back to the UK quicker than we thought. We thought it would take a couple of days. He's there now. Yeah, and I think that was probably to temper expectations. Uh, There's a bit of flooding going on in LA. Uh, It's been a little bit difficult, I think, to move around there. Uh, Megan and the two children staying behind. Uh, But um, it is entirely plausible that um, Harry will see his father for the first time in some time and probably have the most constructive conversation that they've had in years. Does this, is this at any or any way, in your opinion, does this say that the, the, the King's condition is worse than we thought because Harry's uh, rushed back to the UK so quickly? Hello? Hello, Hugh, are you there? Where's he gone? Okay, he's he's back, is he? Hugh, are you still there? I'm Luke. Uh, yes, Luke, <laughs> I am here. Yeah. Sorry, you, you dropped out. The fact that Prince Harry has rushed back so quickly to be at his father's side, is this an indication that maybe King Charles's condition's worse than we think? 
Look, we had the Prime Minister on the radio here a couple of hours ago saying that this cancer's been caught early. I think it's probably the fact that Harry's been given a wake-up call um, just to probably prioritise his family a little bit more than he has over the last couple of years. You know, he's spoken about his precious pa and the like over the last couple of years, particularly in that book, Spare, that he wrote. Um, but I think it's just Harry maybe just taking a check on himself and thinking, okay, what what is the right thing to do as a mm. son here? Mm. And you'd, I think we've all been in that situation or similar. Um, we all know someone with cancer. We all know, we've all had someone with cancer in our families. We think, you know, we all can agree, I think, that Harry's made the right call on this one. Yeah, all right. So what do we know now? Obviously, for Buckingham Palace to make that official statement, and they haven't said what sort of cancer, but for them to make that official statement, um, uh, obviously they thought we better say something soon because the Prince, sorry, the King Charles, I keep calling you Prince Charles, can you believe it? You, it's old habits. It's too hard to get used to. Oh, it it really is. The, The King's... Uh, official uh, duties are going to have to be put on hold, and so they so they thought, let's make the statement right now. Yeah, look, I think it was probably easier for uh, when the Queen Elizabeth was on the throne just to clear her diary for a couple of weeks and say she's gone to Sandringham or Balmoral. Um, the King, albeit you know, he's seventy five years old, but he's new on the throne. He's very he's been a very active monarch early into his reign, and if they didn't tell us what was going on. You know, the rumours would run wild. I must say, I can't really recall the amount of detail that we've been given by the palace ever occurring in the past, certainly in relation to a member of the royal family's health, certainly during the 70-year reign of his mother. I mean, it's been reported since she died that she had cancer. It's never been confirmed by the palace. In fact, none of her ailments, apart from those mobility issues that she suffered, and and the like uh, the, you know, that that was kind of it. It was one one sentence statements from the palace during Elizabeth's reign. This is an extensive level of detail, albeit we don't know what sort of cancer he's got, but we know the ins and outs of being in hospital and what doctors found. Uh, or, you know, they found cancer, um, and so you know it's it's something. The the fact that he went into a hospital for surgery on an enlarged prostate, I thought that was was very brave of the palace and for the king to to come out and say that because um, these things are very very private. But it, it created so much worldwide awareness on the condition, didn't it? It was a very good thing. Yeah, look, absolutely. And that's the balance that the palace tries to strike. When the king went in and he told everyone about his benign enlarged prostate, hits on the health service website here on that condition went up by a thousand percent. Now, the the palace is trying to tread this fine line. On the one hand, they if they were to say it's X type of cancer and it's on stage Y, then we'd be all straight on Dr. Google trying yes. to find out what the survivability of of that cancer at that stage and what level of treatment he'd be receiving. We'd we'd all be doing it. And it would be slightly untasteful um, for that to occur. Now, they've erred on the side of, yes, he has cancer. We're not going to tell you what it is. Let him get the treatment and then recover. And, you know, they might revisit that decision. If they told us a huge level of detail, you know, there might be an awareness campaign they can run on Cancer X but they've, they've erred on the side of precaution, of privacy, but 
giving you a little bit of information just so that you're aware of the situation to some extent. And it was just extraordinary that Catherine was in hospital at the same time. Yeah, look, rough start to the year for the, the Royals. When you think about the last couple of years, you know, the turmoil of Megxit, the, the, the death of the Queen and Prince Philip, among that, the Jubilee and the coronation, great moments of celebration. But, you know, ups and downs, peaks and troughs for this family. But they started 2024 with the news of Kate going into hospital for two weeks for a planned abdominal surgery, then the king going in for prostate uh, surgery, then his cancer diagnosis. I mean, it's kind of like we've taken 10 years of royal news and jammed it into yes. to three or four weeks. It's quite remarkable. And they are a family. That's the thing you have to keep in mind. And if any family went through that in the space of a couple of weeks, it'd knock you about, wouldn't it? It would indeed. Hugh Whitfield, we really appreciate your time this morning. And we'll see you on Channel 7 also this morning. Good on you, Luke. Thank you, Hugh. Take care. Take, take care of yourself. Really appreciate your time. Hugh Whitfield in London live here on the night shift. So there you are. What do you make of all of that? One triple three five three is the telephone number. So, look, there we are. We're off to a flying start for this Wednesday, February 7. There's plenty to talk about, and our lines are open right now. I'm going to replay my chat with Pauline Hanson and her thoughts on juvenile crime in just a little while. But I, I really want to know what your thoughts are. I've got emails coming through everywhere. I mean, I got this one from Villy. Luke, in my opinion, it's pointless locking young thugs up. The system will just release them back into the street. It's typical ways of eliminating, or should I say, a quick fix to the problem. They should deport the one who stabbed... Well, you see, Billy, you can't. If this bloke who stabbed the grandmother is indeed an Australian citizen um, or born here in Australia, you can't deport people if they're, if they're Australians. Um, she said, we Kiwis get the same punishment in coward punches, so why can't they do the same? We came to Australia to get a better life and get a great future for ourselves and our families. Regards, Villy. But look, there's so many emails coming through on all of this, but uh, no one seems to... Well, no, I was about to say no one seems to have the answer. Have we put anybody's thoughts into practice? But Pauline Hansen, clearly, and you'll hear it shortly, she says locking them up does not work. They want to be locked up. Juvenile detention is a holiday camp compared to their conditions at home. More on that a little bit later on. So... Phones are open now. There's plenty to talk about. One triple three five three is the telephone number. You're listening to the night shift around Australia and around the world on the Triple M network. We are streaming live as we speak on the Lister app. And I'll give you your national weather forecast shortly. So, just what do you do with juvenile offenders? Pauline Hansen has some strong thoughts. I'll replay my chat with her for you shortly. Hey, I bet you've heard the buzz about the Nature Bee Power Pollen. Thousands of Australians starting their day with more energy, better overall health, um, well-being, a great feeling of well-being. And this is all thanks to Power Pollen's potent pack of micronutrients. Wait for wait. Pollen has more calcium than milk. It has more protein than red meat. Um, it is just an amazing freak of nature. And that's what it is. It's natural. It's a food. And it's in these little golden capsules. It's being potentiated. So it means that all that goodness goes into your bloodstream. All natural. More energy, better night's sleep, boosted immune system. And now you can get a week for free. The first week 
of Nature B Power Pollen free when you use the code 10 off. You pay just $29.95 plus delivery, and you can have a week's free supply of Power Pollen. Stocks are limited, so you better hurry. The phone number is 1-800-147-009. I swear by it. Raised my whole family on it. We still take it every day. Two little golden capsules. Powerpollen.com.au. one is the telephone number. Yeah, so this horrendous crime that took place over the weekend at Red Bank Plains Shopping Centre. The police are saying now that the parents of those teenagers arrested are abhorred. Police say the parents of the five teenagers arrested after a grandmother was fatally stabbed at a shopping centre condemn what's happened. And as we all know, Violene White, 70 years of age, died after being stabbed in the chest in an alleged robbery. The boys aged between 15 and 16 have now all been arrested. And a 16-year-old Bellbird Park boy has been charged with her murder. Um, now, I spoke to Senator Pauline Hanson about this yesterday. And for those who missed it, it the, the entire interview is actually on our podcast. But I want to play some of it for you now because I want to know what you make of it. Because Pauline Hanson says that locking juveniles up in detention is not the answer because, well, you have a listen to what she says. She says it's like a holiday camp and they would actually prefer to be in detention than they, than they would prefer to be in their own homes with their dysfunctional families. I don't want to put words into her mouth. You have a listen to what Pauline Hansen had to say on the night shift yesterday and then I'd love your thoughts. Have a listen to what she says and then you give me a call and you tell me what you reckon because I don't know what the answer is. This is Pauline Hanson from yesterday here on the night shift. Pauline Hanson, when I spoke to her on the night shift yesterday, I just wanted to give you a reminder. So looking back at what she said, now, Thomas, she mentioned an organisation called Hard Yakka and another one called Back to Country, which has, I think, an Indigenous flavour to it. We need to get these people on the air, hopefully tomorrow, and find out what they're about. Yeah, absolutely. And just looking at these programs on the surface and what they have to offer, this is absolutely everything that we're talking about. And I think more programs need to be established like this. Um, One of these boys, I don't know how many of them, but at least one of them was described as of African appearance. Now, Pauline Hanson said, we've got to look at who we invite to live in this country and make sure that they understand what Australian values is all about. Does she have a point? What sort of scrutiny do we put people through uh, when we invite them to live here in Australia? Is that a fair point? She says she gets accused of being racist when she brings it up, but it's a fair point. When we invite people to be, to live in Australia amongst us, do we know what their background is? Do we know what their values are and how highly they regard human life? Is that a fair question or is it racist? She also said something that we touched on on Monday. She says... Not enough Australian kids are playing sport. Did you hear her say that? I did. And this isn't the first time we've spoken about this. Peter Dutton a while ago said we need more focus on grassroots sports and for good reason. It instills community. It instills camaraderie. So many things that are so important to kids as they're developing. So we talked on Monday about the high cost of organised sport in this country. 
and how you know it, it can cost hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars if you, depending on how many kids you've got, if they're going to play sport. And we got call after call on Monday. It went into meltdown from people telling me how much it costs for football boots, for registration, for insurance, for yet their uniforms, their bus fares, their travelling. And parents are saying, I can't afford for my child to play sport, which is a, that's a horrendous position to be in. Pauline Hansen says, well, <laughs> of course you can, but look at the money you're spending. Don't buy your kids expensive phones. Don't buy your kids um, expensive PlayStations. Um, Prioritise where your money's going, and I'm sure you'll be able to make ends meet and get your kids to play sport. Is she being too tough? I think she makes a fair dinkum point. I think you don't need the latest whiz-bang Android phone or iPhone. If your kids need a phone... Just get them a Nokia. Get them a Nokia. But she's also saying, do they need all the brand names? I had a lovely lady ring me, and her son is absolutely right into the brand names. And, and the basketball boots, if if they're endorsed by Stephen Curry or, or you know, the Michael Jordan thing started the whole thing with the Nikes. But you know, if, if, a, if an NBA basketball star endorses a pair of boots, they've got to have them. Well, guess what, Thomas? They cost $300. $300 for a pair of basketball boots, and you can find a generic pair of basketball boots that'll do just the same job. But the kids want the brands. Is Pauline Hanson onto something here? Is it partly the parents' fault? Are parents wasting money? I really think so. Oh, I don't know. Let's let's put it out there. So what do you make of it all, folks? One triple three five three is the telephone number. If you've got some thoughts, if you've got some ideas, this is the place to wear those thoughts. And we are here on this Wednesday morning, open for business. Mahuda Guru is here on the night shift with Luke Boner. Hello there, folks. Welcome to Wednesday, one triple three five three. With caller of the week uh, receiving a stack of prizes on Friday, and it could be you, but you've got to share an opinion, create some conversation, and make us think, make us laugh. Just be part of it. If you've never rung before, make today your day. If you've just stumbled across us and you thought, "What the hell is this?" We're thinking the same thing. Management are still scratching their heads over what the hell this is. But here we are, in charge of 90-something transmitters, broadcasting on the Lister app, people overseas ring in, and we we become a family here on the Night Shift, if you're new. So join up and join the Night Shift family, and if you are a member of that family, uh, call in and have your say, One triple three five three. Now... If you are new to this program, I'm, I endorse certain products and I only endorse products I believe in, products I know about, products that offer a money-back guarantee, products that work. And something I'm really proud of is Swift Grow, which we discovered here on this program about four or five years ago. The microbiologist, Joe Ayub, who invented Swift Grow because he was a barramundi um, farmer. And he realized that one barramundi could deliver six liters of poo in one week. And then he realized that um, that poo, when treated the right way, and, and if the fish is fed only uh, a strict organic diet, can become the most potent fertilizer. And it puts nature back into the soil. And that's exactly what he's done. It's an amazing organic fertilizer. And the world is raving about it. I can't say too much. I spoke to John Friday. He is traveling at the moment to Saudi Arabia, to the United Arab Emirates, 
and then he's off to Europe, and there are governments who want to import or possibly manufacture Joe's Swift Grow in their countries to get their agriculture back on its feet. I can't say too much. And Joe, because um, what he's doing is with governments at this stage, he's had to sign NDAs and do all sorts of things. Because I said, look, ring ring us up and tell us where you are in the world and what you're doing. And he thought it was a good idea at first, and then we realised a lot of what he's doing is very confidential. So I don't know if we'll be able to chat with him while he's overseas. I hope so, but I don't know. But it's, it's so exciting. Swift Grow, if you want a greener lawn, if you want bigger plants, better water retention and better tasting vegetables, Swift Grow. It is the amazing organic barramundi fertiliser that we discovered here on this program and Australians are raving about it. A five-litre bottle will last you forever. You only need a little capful in nine litres of water. Five litres of Swift Grow, just 120 bucks, free delivery anywhere in Australia. Stocks are limited. If it's green and it grows, you're going to love Swift Grow. Quick break, be back with calls. Good morning, Australia. Welcome to Wednesday, February 7, 13353, uh, nightshift at triplem.com.au. Plenty of emails coming through, and I'll read each and every one of them. I appreciate the effort you go to. We've got the quickie coming up. Another clue is on our podcast. It's day three of the quickie today. It's surely got to go off. I wonder if today's clue is enough to get you over the edge. Um, I'll reveal that clue. In a couple of hours, but if you want to hear it now before everyone else does, it's on our podcast as a separate clip. But in the meantime, the whole of Australia is just abhorred at what happened in Brisbane and that Brisbane grandmother stabbed to death in front of her six-year-old grandchild. And here we are yet again talking about juvenile crime and what to do to stop it. There are lots of ideas out there. Is it and finally up to the government to say, okay, what we're doing now isn't working. Maybe we've got to listen to people like Bob Catter, and I can replay what Bob Catter had to say. He's on our podcast. If you look up Bob Catter on the Night Shift podcast, you know, he talks about putting kids who are lost out in the middle of nowhere on the detention farms and teaching them skills. Um, putting pride back in the heart and taking the chip off the shoulder. Pauline Hanson, you just heard her. She said, detention is a holiday camp for a lot of these kids. This is I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going off what I hear. Pauline Hanson says, these detention camps, widescreen TVs, PlayStation games, swimming pools, tennis courts, um, pinball machines, anything they want. If you don't want to work, you don't have to. And you get three square meals a day. And she reckons that a lot of these kids prefer it in detention than they do living at home. So if if what Pauline Hanson is saying is correct, we're in a lot of trouble. So uh, we need to talk about this, but surely the politicians need to listen, and they do listen to this program. They need to legislate and say, okay, what we're doing isn't working. The softly, softly isn't working. Slapping people on the wrist and putting them back out on the streets with absolutely no consequences to the crime they've committed, is not working. Um, Joanne is online, and she's been waiting for a while. Joanne, I'm sorry about the wait. Good morning. That's okay. Good morning. How are you? Uh, Joanne, I'm really, really well. Joanne, I understand that you have or had a son that was 
uh, a handful? I wouldn't say he was a handful. He has been targeted through the police force, has um, done minor breaking bail and ended up in prison for three months. You've now got, and this furiates me, right? Mm. This so furiates me. You've got this multicultural that we've come to our country and are out bashing people, invading people's homes, stealing cars, stabbing an old woman now, a 70-year-old grandmother, and walks free. And I can tell you now, Luke, I've spent two and a half years going through a court system and has sat in that courtroom and listened to many and many a things. If I could go through the whole story, but it has to be just what I've gone through has to be just silent at the moment because I've got to go further with it. Yeah, and if, it's, if anything's before the courts and we identify anybody, we're in trouble. But, Joanne, tell me about your son. He was, he was put in jail. He was put in jail for three months for breaking bail. One lot of bail. Breaking bail because he's on the spectrum of autism, was put in jail. I had to deal with the jail many of times, him ringing me up crying, telling me he's been belted by vacuum cleaner hoses in a prison and they're not even monitoring it. How old was he when he was in jail? 28 years old. Oh, an adult, but he's on the spectrum. He has issues. Why was he on bail? What did he do? Why was he on bail? Because... Uh, they said he was hooning. Okay, he was, he was I what, don't sorry? Co- hooning. Hooning, right, hooning, sorry. Okay. Yep. So he, what he was doing is he, if he was doing it, he was risking his own life, not going out bashing people, not going out stealing people's cars, not doing anything because our government don't allow these children to have places to go to be able to do this stuff because if they do... There's no revenue for the government to make out of fines, out of people losing their licence, out of um, confiscating cars and putting them in impoundments for 30 days, making $1,000. Okay, but we have these multicultural people that have come to our house, our country, sorry, and are bashing people, dealing people's cars. Mm. There are plenty of Australians born and bred here doing the same thing. Oh, I get it. I get it, Luke. I get it. But go and sit in a court system like I have, and the first thing they say is they've come from a war-torn country. Bullshit. They've been born here as a kid, a little kid, or been born here. They're not in a war-torn country. Mm. Stop using their background Mm. as a problem. Mm. They are big problems here. Yeah, this is what Pauline Hanson was saying. And do are we inviting people to come and live in this country who are from, and you just said, war-torn countries or countries where their background and their culture is completely different to ours and they think that they, that they can do things in our country that they were doing in their own? Do we need to be more picky about the people we invite to this country, Joanne? Yes, correct. Luke. But, but, but I'll say again, there are plenty of... Australians born and bred here, many generations, who are who are doing exactly these these same crimes. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. How about and and my husband's a big part of this. What happens if we started doing to these people 
doing to their family what they're doing to other families. How would they accept it? Mm. So what did we say to the family of this poor woman, Vileen White, 70 years of age, stabbed, killed, murdered um, over a, a car a car theft. It's, it just beggars belief. In, fr- in front of her six-year-old granddaughter. It's disgusting. And these... And you know what? Let me just say to you, uh, I've, like I said to you, the last two and a half years, I've been going through court system at an expense. And I sat there and listened to half of these stuff that happens and that they walk away once again on bail. Yeah, no consequences. Let me ask you this, Joanne, because I've got to move on. Your son, is he okay today? No, he's mentally now. He's mentally wrecked. Is he out of jail? Yes, he is now. When he, when you tell me that he rang you in tears, that he was in jail, an, ad, an adult jail, mm-hmm. he was being bashed by prisoners, was he? Correct. W- was there no protection in jail? Is there no protection? No one, if no one knows, they don't, they, Luke, our prisons say to us on the phone that their phone calls are monitored, they're, they're, they're being watched. Mm. I was going in on a weekly, a weekend every day on the Saturday, Sunday, visiting my son and walking out of there every day crying because I was so concerned that he was going to die in there. Joanne, I want to stay in touch with you. I'm going to put you back to Thomas and uh, we'll keep your details completely confidential, but I want to stay in touch with you, okay? Yep, sure. Stay there. She's got a very, very long story. Uh, and she's admitted that. Um, and her son has got some issues. And um, there's a lot more to this story than meets meets the eye or meets the ear because we're radio. I'm sure you can probably guess that. But we'll keep, we'll stay in touch with Joanne and uh, see if there's more we can do. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Good day, Gavin. Yes, how are you? Good, thank you, Gavin. Yeah, thing. Thank you. I was just also going to mention, but also just say something briefly about what just what Joanne was talking about before, about the people, about also the um, the multicultural coming from overseas, and it also goes with what you said about the immigrants as well coming from overseas and that. A message to the politicians, Albanese. How about you build a wall like Donald Trump? <laughs> anyway, really? Yeah, it goes goes to my next thing. Build a wall. Yep. We're an, we're a huge island. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're a huge island, Gavin. Done. Anyway, keep going, Gavin. Something's got to be done. But um, what mm. I was going to say was... A rabbit-proof fence, perhaps, Gavin. Maybe something like that, yeah. Mm. Yeah, Donald, Donald Trump's wall never happened. You realise that, don't you? Yeah, well... It was... Yeah, yeah. And can I tell you something else, Gavin? Can I, can yeah. I tell you something else? Uh, if you show me a 20-foot wall, I'll show you a 21-foot ladder. Um, maybe anyway, Gavin, keep going. Yeah, well, what I was going to say was, mm. um, yeah, about the youth crime, it's getting it is, it is totally out of hand. The other night, I saw um, a couple of boys, they were 13, 14, 15 year old. Yeah, one was on a bike, one was on a scooter. Yeah, anyway, I was in the local town of Druin, where I am in Victoria. Yeah, lovely town. Anyway, they, one, of the, one of the kids had a knife. The other one had an axe. And you, you saw this with your own eyes? Yes, I was doing a Macca's run. And whereabouts was it? Down the main street in Druin, 
in front of Coles. This is a national radio program. Tell the people around Australia where Druin is. It's in the lovely part of Gippsland, West Gippsland, so just down from Rorigal, so lovely area. Okay, and what time was this happening? Would have been 11, would have been 11, 30, 12 o'clock midnight. Okay, so middle of the night. Okay, keep going. So anyway, one of the guys had, one of the boys had a knife and the other one had an axe and they were jumping on a trailer at Coles. I told them to stop it. Anyway, they, yeah, they said, come on, come and have a go and all this. And they were trying to break into Coles and stuff. So I immediately rang the police. Mm Mm-hmm. But the police can only do so much. I mean, they, did the police they, come? Yeah, they came. I rang them. How quickly did they arrive? They came. I, I don't know. I don't know how came, but they, I did ring triple zero, and they said they will get there as quick as they can. Did you hang around? Did you see them come? No, I didn't. All right. I, I so didn't. you don't know what happened. You don't know if they arrested anybody. No. But how old do you reckon these kids were? Thirteen, fourteen. Thirteen, fourteen. A knife and, a, and an axe. But the police can only do so much. Like, um, but this is the point, and this is Gavin from Druin. How do you spell it? D R O U I N. I've never been there. This is Gavin from Druin in Victoria. This is regional Victoria, and you're saying that juvenile crime is not just a Queensland problem; it's everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah, and why do you think it's everywhere, Gavin? Well, the police are powerless. They, well, they, they're not powerless. Like, they do so much. They can only do so much, and then they go to the courts, and the courts... That's what I was saying to Pauline Hanson, is the magistrates. Are the laws in place so the magistrates can bring down a, um, a heavier sentence? I don't know. But what's happening right now isn't working, and you should be able to walk the streets of Druin any time of day, whether it be 11.30 at night or it doesn't matter, and you should feel safe, shouldn't you? That's exactly right. Good on you, Gavin. I'll let you go. One triple three five build build a wall. Jesus. One triple three five three is the telephone number. You're listening to the night shift around Australia. Yeah, uh, Pauline Hanson mentioned Hard Yakka. It's an organisation that deals with, tr- with with troubled youth, and another organisation called Back to Country. If anyone listening knows anything about these organisations, please ring me and tell me. We're going to try and get them on the phone tomorrow. The night shift on Triple M. For those who have just joined us for the first time, this um, this swift grow that we discovered here on the night shift, people all over Australia have discovered how good it is. And there was a lovely lady called Pat who rang me last week uh, and she had this to say about swift grow. But I put them on my lawn loose in a certain spot. Yep. And a couple of weeks later when my lawnmower man came and said, what's happened to your lawn? Mm. He said, why? Oh, I said, why? He said, because it's grown really well here and it's short over there. <laughs> so there you go. So I, my, my petunias had grown at least six inches, you know, in, in about a week and a half. And as I said to Thomas, if I hadn't had that mm. and seen it for myself, uh, so anybody who's, who's doubting that it doesn't work, it surely does. It surely does, Patchy Swift Grow. Put it on your plants, in your lawn. You wait and see what happens. It's the best fertilizer you'll ever, ever use. It's all natural. Okay? And free delivery anywhere in Australia. If you want to learn more about what Swift Grow is all about, just go onto their website, swiftgrow.com.au. If it's green and it grows, you will love Swift Grow. Back in a sec. Yeah, a lot of people wanting to talk about this. It's a really important problem that's facing Australia at the moment. No one seems to have any answers. Uh, Brendan, good day. How are you going? I'm good, thanks, Brendan. Thanks for waiting on. It's all yours. Uh, I think deportation's the answer. 
But what if it, deportation for who? What if the people committing these crimes were born and bred in Australia or are indeed Australian citizens? Then capital punishment should come back. Capital, death penalty. Yes. Are you serious? Yeah, I think it should come back. I'll I'm hundred. I'm hundred. I'm hundred percent on it. Like for, for murderers and stuff like that, for people that um, commit these type of crimes, I think that it should be an eye for an eye. All right. What about um, assaults, uh, breaking <laughs> breaking into houses, home inv- I, 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 home invasions, stealing cars? Yep, all of them should be harsher harsher penalties. Like what? Longer jail terms. Um, God knows, like I've 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 been a, I've been a product of the system. I've been in jail three times. Myself. Tell me about tell me about you, Brendan. What happened to you? Share us your story. Oh, I was kind of similar to um, the lady that was on earlier with her son. Um, I've had ADHD, level three ADHD, my whole life. Um, I was a bit of a brat when I was younger. Lost my father when I was twenty, and after I lost my father, I went through a bit of a stage where I was just didn't I just didn't care, and. Um, Ended up going to jail for hooning and doing burnouts and stuff like that. Um, got into police, got into a police chase, <clears throat> right? And um, ended up going to jail for that for three months. What? How old were you when you did this? Uh, I was twenty when I went to jail. Right. So you you over eighteen. It was a you were you were tried as, as an adult. Yeah. Yeah. Second time. T- tell me what. Tell me when you were 13, 14, 15, A lot of these kids at this age. Some of these kids roaming the streets are nine. When you were 13, 14, 15, was everything going okay for you then? Did, did, did everything go to shit when your dad passed away? My my father was very, very harsh when it comes to um, obedience. And um, I never, ever crossed him. <laughs> like, if I crossed him, I'd, I, mm. I'd run and hide in my room and that was no place to hide because mm. he could find me there. <laughs> yeah. But what were you like as a teenager? Uh I'd say I was more of a pain, in, a pain in the ass when I was younger, before the age of twelve, sort of thing. After the age of twelve, I settled down a little bit. Before the age of twelve, I nearly burned our family home down twice. Why? How did that? Count? Was it an accident, or did you deliberately try and burn the house down? No, it was kind of an accident. But um, I was playing with fire because of fire interested me back in those days, and I was. Just ADHD, all the things that come along with ADHD. I'm older and wiser now, and I realised it was all bloody stupid of me. But what? How old were you when you went to jail for the first time? I was twenty. Twenty. Which jail? I went to um, Maps first, which is Melbourne Assessment Prison in Melbourne. Okay. When you first went to jail, give me give me an idea of what it's like to go to jail for the first time. Take me through it. All right, so you go in through your um, court case and everything. You get locked up, and then you get taken to the map, which is Melbourne Assessment Prison. <clears throat> Most people go, it's changed now. Um, I, forget, I forget what the place is called now where they assess all the prisoners. But, um, it, used to be, it used to be map. And um, you go there, and um, they assess you for mental health, all that sort of thing. They give you questions like, do you think you're going to do jail hard? Um, do you think you're going to have a hard time with it? Because um, if you answer certain questions a certain way, they will help you a lot more and they will help you with protection and or put you in a better place for it. Um, like um, like there's a, there's a, um, a jail out in um, Gippsland here near me called Fulham. 
which is a like a, a light jail, like um, <clears throat> minimum security, it's like a farm. So where did you end up when you when, after you went through maps? Where did you end up? I went to I went to um, Port Phillip for a couple of days. Was that hard? Uh, Port Phillip, old jail is what you make it. If you if you go in there and you run your mouth and you be a smart ass, then you're going to attract attention to yourself. Yeah. But you just do your time quietly and you don't um, raise any fingers or anything or point any fingers, then you, you, you're going to do jail how you make it. Like, Is jail, do you think, a deterrent? Pauline Hansen says these kids in Queensland look forward to going into detention because it's a holiday camp. That's, that's, you, you may have heard her just say that. She says it's not a deterrent. They rec- she reckons that for a lot of these young kids causing trouble in Queensland, juvenile detention is a break from their lives and they, and they try and get in there. It probably is for them. When it was like, um, I, don't, I don't know, I'm not, I can't experience that myself because I've never been there. I had a pretty good childhood, even though I was a pain in the ass. But um, I think that when it comes down to it, and you you come here as a foreigner and everything, you should be um, on a strike system sort of thing. Like if you if you go down a path and you keep on going down that path, then you should be deported. If you are here from another country, all right. Well, Brendan, you've uh, you haven't had a pretty life. Is everything okay for you now? Yeah, I'm I'm great. I've got a missus and kids, and I'm I'm happy with my life. Thank thank you for sharing. It's been that was very big of you. Really appreciate it. All right, mate. Thank you, Brendan. You call back any time. You're part of the night shift family now. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. There he is. He, he and he believes in capital punishment. Eye for an eye. One triple three five three is the telephone number. It was interesting talking to Pauline Hanson. Uh, she also said that not enough kids play sport. And we talked about this on Monday, the high cost of getting your kids involved in organised sport in Australia. And it's cost prohibitive for a lot of families. And there are some subsidies, but um, it's means tested. Should junior sport be subsidised by the government? Ultimately, it's us, isn't it? Should, should we be subsidising junior sport? If we do, are we making a better Australia? Here's a little of what Pauline Hanson had to say about kids playing sport. The trouble with all this is the insurance cost to these sporting venues and um, for them to actually take up the insurance and the cost involved with it. When I went to school, we I was involved in everything. I learned tennis, I played softball, I played basketball, I did gymnastics. I went to the um, local um, youth club and uh, I know I did a lot there. People need to seek out some of these youth clubs as well and get the kids involved in that. To keep the kids active is the best thing in the world for them. Take them to some, you know, swimming classes, go to the local pool. But it costs money, but it costs money. Uh, to that extent, $1,800, it is a lot of money. But then again, how many of these parents have bought their kids a mobile phone? How many parents have bought their kids a computer? How many have bought these PlayStations? So really, you get your priorities right with the parents. I know money's limited. And yes, some of these sporting venues, but because the cost that, that's gone up for them, um, yes, it is. Maybe it's something that maybe state governments can actually start looking at possibly subsidising this. But parents, I'd suggest don't buy your kids the designer clothes or shoes or whatever they want. 
or design a haircut, get your priorities right. And sport is the best thing for kids to get involved in. Their parents are parents wasting money on designer shoes and designer shorts, uh, expensive mobile phones. I, Pauline Hanson saying, yes, she appreciates that organised sport is expensive. But she says, you heard her. She says, are parents wasting money? Are they putting money, throwing money at their kids in the wrong direction? Does a child really need a $1,200 smartphone? What's a Nokia worth? Like, not even 100 bucks. So that's a phone that the child can be phoned up on and the child can make phone calls on. You can make phone calls, you can play Snake, and you can go. Yeah, Snake. I remember Snake. I remember uh, being able to play uh, Pebble Beach Golf on my old Nokia. So do kids need the expensive uniforms, the brand name shoes, and do they need smartphones? Is there anything in, in what Pauline Hanson has just said that would help make sport more affordable? You heard what she just said. You tell me, one triple three five three. the night shift, triple M. Fleetwood Mac here on the night shift, one triple three five three. We've got an accident uh, out there. Colin, what's happened? Uh, there's a very double jack night uh, about uh, five kilometres north of Wingen. Wingen? Yeah, it's about five kilometres north of Wingen. Wingen, where exactly are you, mate? It's a, it's a national radio show. Yeah, Wingen's about um, 25 k south of Marundi. On the New England Highway. Okay. Tell us exactly what's happened. There's a V-double, jackknifed on the corner at the bottom of the three-laners. If you're heading north, the drivers will know about it. Yes. And it's uh, like it's drizzling rain and that, and the police and the ambulance are there. Uh, the driver's okay, but yeah. All right. Thanks for the heads up, Colin. We appreciate it because we have a network of truckies and road users at this time of the morning, and we need this information. We appreciate it, Colin. Thank you. No worries, thank you. I'm glad that no one's hurt. One triple three five three. Peter, hello. Hey Luke, how are you? Good, thanks, Peter. Welcome to the long, night long shift. Long time listener. Um, I just wanted to bring up two things we've got. Yeah, go. Um, so last night I got cut off, and I wanted to talk to you about the Facebook, um, Facebook pages. Oh, and- yeah, yeah. Facebook on Monday turned twenty, and I asked the question: Are we better off? for having had Facebook in our lives for the last 20 years. I'm asking the pros and cons of Facebook. Is it a good thing or not? What are your thoughts? Well, uh, look, I'm a, I'm a Facebook addict. Um, I'm on Facebook every day. Mm. Um, but there is, there is one reason why I'm on Facebook. I run a disability football club um, here in Melbourne. Good on you. Well done. Tell uh, me about it. Uh, so it's, a, it's an all-abilities um, team. Um, Male and female playing the team uh, ranges from 14 years old to I think the oldest at the moment is 60, 60 years old. Yes. Um, yes. And now a lot of a lot of these a lot of these um, players are in uh, residential, you know, homes and for for disability. Yes. Um, and and they get a lot of their their funding. Uh, through this NDIS, so they can, you know, they they can put it on their program, um, and they and the NDIS pays for it. So, 
It's a disability football club. What sort of disabilities? Um, intellectual. Um, there is one player for another club who's got cerebral palsy and yeah. still gets out there and plays football. Okay. Are they, are they usually uh, psychological problems or physical as well? Uh, well, cerebral palsy is the physical, but mostly, mostly intellectual. So mostly just yeah. reading and writing, uh, uh, dyslexia. Wow. And, and uh, you're in Victoria, so this is Aussie rules. Yes, yes, but um, but this, this um, comp is uh, nationwide. It's in um, well, the, the comp that I play in is only in Victoria, mm. but they um, they have a state they have a state team once a year that that plays against New South Wales, Queensland, wow. WA, wow, um, Tasmania. This is unbelievable. It takes a lot of coordination to get this to where you're at. How did you get involved? How, well, I have a learning disability myself. Um, when I was eight, I fell out of a tree and fractured my skull in four places. Oh, no. Um, I own stupidity. I um, was playing chasey with my brother, and he stood on a branch, and I followed and stood on the same branch and, yeah, fell out of the tree. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Um, but, look, I, I've been the secretary for, for that for, um, you know, uh, seven years now. Uh, love it. I love going there every every Thursday night and to training and, and watching the boys boys and girls run around and, and have fun and whatnot, um, you know, and yeah. I think, like, I think that's fantastic. To join and to play, how much does it cost? So so fees, so the fees itself, so we, we charge, as, as a club ourselves, we charge $200, hmm. right? But 170 of that goes straight to the league. We don't see it. Mm-hmm. Like we see it, because they, they pay us into our bank account, and mm. then later on in the in the year, we pay you know we pay the 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 league. Mm. Um, so we you know so we charge um, like I said two hundred dollars and one hundred and seventy that goes to the league. Now that covers the player for their insurance, their public liability insurance, um, and then you know costs. To, to run the competition. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. How young's your youngest player? Uh, so at the moment, the youngest we've got on our team would be roughly about, or actually, the youngest we've had is 13. Oh, wow. And, and how old's the oldest? Uh, last year, um, my, my dad played and he was 65. Wow. Well, Peter, congratulations. Well done. And to get something like that off the ground, even on a local level, takes a lot of organisation, let alone to get it to a national level. Yeah. Yeah, well done, Peter. What's the name of the organisation? Uh, so it's FIDA, F-I-D-A. F-I-D-A, and what's that stand yep. for? Um, uh, off the top of my head, yeah. You could just Google it and it'll come up. Just type in F-I-D-A and it'll come up with the Victorian... Um, F for Fred? F. F for Fred, I for India, D for Delta, A for Alpha. Okay, and what does that stand? In? We'll, we'll, we don't know. We'll find out. We'll yeah. look. We'll look at that. Um, the, the only other thing I wanted to quickly chat to yeah. you, um, Luke, is the Pauline Hanson and stuff. Yes, um, and, and these these users. Oh, today. just before you go on, Football Integration Development Association. There you are. Correct. Yes. Thank you, Thomas. And it's well done. AFL overlook it. Football so Integration not- Development Association, FIDA. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, Pauline Hanson. Yes, quickly. 
Look, I'm 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 a security guard going on. I've been a security guard for 24 years. Yes. Right. I've worked in shopping centres. I've worked in nightclubs. I've 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 done it all. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. One year, I, I won't I won't say the shopping centre. Um. But one year, I was I was at a shopping centre. Yeah. Uh, me and my colleague got jumped by some news. Mm. Right. And I and I mean physically bashed and and had rubbish bins and, and stuff thrown at us mm, in, in the middle of the day when there was other, you know, and people, um, were, and people were watching this, people were watching it. Mm. Right. Now, a lot of shopping centers have no hands on policy. Yes. So you're not allowed to touch the offenders. You're not allowed mm. to touch the robbers mm. and whatnot. Okay. But the police come, Right. Within within an hour of them being arrested and taken taken to the local police station, mm. they were back at the shopping the same shopping. Oh, really? Doing exactly the same thing. They were back now. Tell me, a lot of security guards ring me and tell me because I have a lot of security guards listening to me at this time of night, and they all say, "Yes, we have a no hands on policy. We're not allowed to touch. We're not allowed to retaliate," and the crims know this. Do we need to relook at the policy? Do we need to give security guards who are at the coal face, like you were, should security guards be able to retaliate and at least physically protect themselves? And if you've got someone who's trying to bash you and kick you, should you be able to grab them by the scruff of the neck, pin them down and wait for the police to come? But we can't, we can't. Would you like to be able to have that power, or would that deter you from being a, police, uh, a, a security guard? No, no. I reckon it would. It would save a lot of like. It's not just the security guards; it's the other patrons that are in the shopping centre with their children. Yes. Watching this crap. Yes. And 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 we stand there, and then they go. Oh, so why didn't you? Why didn't you do something? Why didn't you apprehend him? Yeah, yeah. What what good are like, you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I look, um, I've had my nose busted. I've, I've, I've been to court through, you know, while I've, you know, while I've been on, uh, on duty, I've had my nose busted. Right. And, and I've been hailed, be, uh, you know, taken between to the, you know, the head office of, of the security companies and stuff and said, Oh, you know, you can't do this. I'll say, well, come out. One night, just come out and stand with us, and you tell us we can't have a hands-on policy. Should security guards have a hands-on policy? One triple three five three, because the the crooks, the crims, and these kids, these these youths, know full well that the security guards at shopping centres can do nothing. Is that exacerbating the problem? Should security guards be able to physically have more power? In a shopping centre, one triple three five three security guards. I know you're listening. Ring me and tell me. Is that part of the problem? And here you've got a lovely bloke, Peter, who has a disability, but he's a security guard, twenty two years, and you know groups of youths attacked him, threw garbage bins at him in broad daylight in front of other shoppers, and he could do nothing. When the police finally arrive. And they arrest the perpetrators within an hour. Did you say within an hour, Peter? Within within it within it within an hour. Within an hour, 
same group of kids who were just then arrested are back at the shopping centre doing it again. Do the security guards in our shopping centres need more physical power? One triple three five three. Peter, thank you so much for calling up. Good luck with uh, FIDA, the Football Integration Development Association. Thank you so much for telling us all about it, mate. And call back any time, okay? If there's any people um, that want to play, if they just Google that yep. uh, that website, it'll take them to um, you know to the to the website, and then it, it's all across Victoria. Good on I mean, you. We we play in Ballarat. You're a star. We're in Chadston. Um, we're the Monash Demons in Chadston, but it's all over Victoria. Good on you, Peter. Thank you for telling us about it, and thank you. I'm sorry that you had to put up with that shit. From those no, from those scumbags. I wish you all the best, mate. Call back any time. You're part of the Night Shift family, okay? Will do, mate. Talk soon. You take care. The Night Shift on Triple M. The Night Shift around Australia on the Triple M Network. Yeah. Facebook turned 20. 20 this year. Thomas, you were nine. You were nine when Facebook first came to our attention. Feels like a long time ago. When did you, how old were you when you discovered Facebook? Oh, my parents said no for a long time, and I could completely understand why. I think I was 15 when I got yeah. Facebook. Well, it's 20 years old today. Has it been worth it? Are we any better off for having Facebook in our lives, or has it been a huge pain in the ass? Mark Zuckerberg, I think he's been before a congressional committee at eight times now. Um, basically... I think the, the, defending his uh, position on should Facebook stay self-regulated because the last thing in the world Zuckerberg wants is for Facebook to um, uh, have, having to answer to a government body. But um, has Facebook on on occasions overstepped the mark? Have they got it wrong? I guess when you when you you've got a social media platform like Facebook that's never, ever been tested before, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to you know, try and push the boundaries, aren't you? But now it's seen as old-fashioned. Facebook now is seen as, oh, God, only your parents use Facebook. Now everyone else uses TikTok and Instagram. My kids uh, no, no, don't go anywhere near Facebook anymore. So has Facebook reached its use-by date? Or do you still use it? I had a caller the other day who loves Facebook because he makes money out of it. And there are plenty of people who advertise their trade and their wares on Facebook. Community groups have Facebook pages. We belong to a Facebook community page for our postcode, and it's quite handy if you're trying to buy something or sell something or look for a babysitter. Or if you've lost your cat or dog, we, we had our dog go missing twice. And the, it was the Facebook group that spotted him and told us where he was. It's a community nose board, the watch. A community. Eyes and ears, yeah. It was a community nose board. So it, it was handy there. Anyway, well, um, I spoke to Trevor Long about it yesterday, and I'll, I'll play what Trevor Long had to say about the 20 years of Facebook shortly. Meanwhile, there's a lot of people online. If you're trying to get through, stop. Just hold off. Every line is full. And as soon as we have some lines available, I'll let you know. Hey, listen. You've heard the great offers from Aussie hoses over the years. This is the best one ever. Now, I love Aussie hoses, and Aussie Dave is the boss. And Aussie hoses stand by their product. Uh, it comes with a two-year warranty, and this is the hose, the unkinkable hose, 
and it self-retracts back into its housing. And they actually go anywhere in Australia and install it for you. If you want it installed up against the brick wall, they'll do it. And if you've got a leaking tap, they fix it while they're there. Now, you are also going to receive a bonus trigger nozzle. And for the first 10 callers this morning, you're going to get the 25-metre hose for the price of the 20-metre hose, an extra five metres of hose for free. We have three Aussie hoses. we got one up the top near the footpath, one down the bottom of the driveway where the cars are, and one round the back. And it's the best thing we've ever got. It's it changed our lives. Aussie hoses. No more wrestling with messy, tangled hoses. One little click and it retracts. So easy. So don't miss this offer. But there's only 10. one 384 165 Leave a message. Say, I heard this with, with Luke. I want to secure my extra five-meter hose and the bonus trigger nozzle. First 10 callers, one 384165 Good morning, Australia. How are you? Lots to talk about this morning. One triple three five three. As Thomas and myself here on the night shift, we what we try and do is we keep the nation together through the wee small hours. But uh, our, our topic's usually of national importance, and we need to solve this. Jason's been waiting on. Jason, you um, you know these shops that we're talking about. Is that correct? Yeah, mate. Yep, hundred percent. I know these shops. Okay, Jason, tell me your story. Well, I, I live about oh, maybe a kilometre away from this shopping centre. Now, you go... The, the Red Bank Plains Shopping Centre. Yeah. You, if you go to this shopping centre in, like, between 9 o'clock and, and 12 o'clock, it's fine. Mm. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. Mm. But you go to this shopping centre after 2.30 or 2 o'clock, and it's it's just madness. It really is. you got you got all different race of people running around there, and you got three big schools in the area less than 600 metre walk away and and the young fellas are getting around in hoodies it's 40 it's it's 37 degrees mm. and and 85 percent humidity and they're getting around in hoodies trying to find somebody that they're going to rob they're in hoodies to to cover up their faces and to cover up their identities on the cctv yes and, and are there is there a, a presence of security guards there i mean my, my local shopping centre, which is in the suburbs on the northern beaches, I mean, it's not exactly a crime wave area, but there seems to be people in white shirts and black pants with security everywhere you look. Is there a security presence at this place, Jason? Not really. I, I haven't really seen, seen any there. It's the way this place is designed. This place is designed so good for the person that wants to rob somebody or, or it's it's just... Is it really? Explain that, please. Explain that to me. It, it's... The, all the shops is in a big L shape and and there's 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 so many different directions where you can go out of the, the shopping centre, the car park, because you got... you you just got a massive area of, of getaway, like, and, and you can just get away really easy. And are there places to hide, are there? Yes, and and then you put you put um, five hundred kids in there, 
that's all waiting for their school bus, or they're going to KFC, or they're going to to McDonald's, or, or they, you know, they run around the shops or whatever. Yeah, and then you put 500 kids in there at three o'clock in the afternoon. The, it, it's dangerous. But who would have thought a 70-year-old woman would be stabbed to death? Who would have thought? That's right. They did that. You see, that, that place has got an underground car park as well. Right. And not too many people park under this underground car park um, because of that reason, because of the, there's not much security in that there. Is that true? But, uh, people are, are, are frightened to park in the underground car park? Yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I would say. And these young fellas, they knew what they were doing. They planned it. They knew to steal the car from the underground because they, if they steal it from up top, there's too many people going to see them. And and they knew what they were doing. They knew what to do, what time to do it. They'd do it at, at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the afternoon where there's not too many people around. They're under this, under the, the, the car park. All the business is happening upstairs. Well, it sounds frightening. Maybe we've got to look at the way we design shopping centres. Maybe we we need more security guards. Maybe the local LAC police need to patrol these shopping centres during these these dangerous times that you're talking about. And what about that previous caller, Brendan, who's been a security guard for 22 years? He says they have a policy in the shopping centre that he patrols, no hands, can't touch people. And... The crooks know this, Jason, don't they? They know the security guards are powerless. 100%. 100%. They, they know the security guards are powerless. And if you're in desperate need, you're going to get what you, what you want straight away. You're going to go and get it. If, if you've already made the decision that I'm going to go and do this and I know this is a crime but I need to do this to get that, they're going to do it. Why are they stealing the cars? Are they stealing the cars just for a joyride? Or are they stealing cars for ram raids? Are they stealing the cars so that they can commit other crimes and they have a car to get away in? What's the purpose of, of the, the stealing of the cars? I know on the Gold Coast, the opinion is they break into houses, which is a home invasion, steal the car keys and take the cars just for fun so that they can put themselves on TikTok and show photos of themselves hooning. Why are they stealing the cars, Jason? Well, uh, this is my opinion. You're breaking up, Jason. Jason, Jason, move to the left. Start again. No. Jason, say that again. No, I can't understand you. I'll put you back to Thomas, see if we can fix that phone. It just went bad right at the very end there. Why are they stealing cars? Is it just for fun? Just to get their, their faces or their hooded faces just on Facebook or TikTok or whatever. Rob, good day. What's going on, mate? Yeah, what a pity he dropped out. I'll try and get him back. What did you? What, what do you make of things, Rob? Oh, this time, mate. A lot needs to be done about it. A lot of it, I reckon, um, is boredom. There's not enough for them to do, and what there is for them to do is quite expensive. Uh, I've been raising teenage boys by myself for about 14 and a half years now. I've got three of them. Yes. Um, 14 is my youngest, 15 is my second oldest, and um, my late oh, my late 15-year-old. He passed away at the start of last year. Mm. Um, now, uh, look, they get bored 
obviously it, a lot of it comes down to discipline as well. Mm. And there has to be suitable punishment for their actions. There has to be consequences. That's right. That's right. What did you make of Pauline Hansen's comments? Because uh, I said, okay, well, reasonable consequences. Three strikes, you're in youth detention. She said that's where they want to go. She, she says that a lot of the youth detention facilities is a Christmas a Christmas uh, vacation. It's a holiday camp for a lot of these kids. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a much better uh, alternative to staying at home. What do you make of that? It certainly is, mate. It certainly is. Dead, dead right. Hey, can I ask you a huge favour? Can, mm. you, can you put me back on hold? Because I've literally just picked up a job. I've got to go grab a couple of fares. Yeah, sure, Robbie. Stay there. Thomas, Thomas will look after you right now and we'll call you back a little bit later on. One triple three five three is the telephone number if you'd like to be part of the program. The Night Shift on Triple M. I had a lot of feedback from uh, listeners about the alcohol tax, uh, which went up on Monday. It does without a fanfare. Um, these taxes, these excise taxes are automatic. They've been legislated. They've been around for 30 years. And uh, they're linked to inflation and biannually, when uh, the date comes around, depending on where inflation is, the tax on beer and wine, well, anything with alcohol in it, and cigarettes goes up. And there's no fanfare. The government doesn't have to face uh, any sort of questioning about it because it's been legislated. It just happens. And so now when you buy a box of beer at your, at your uh, local uh, bottle let's say I'll round it to 50 bucks, but it's usually about 55, but 55, okay. 55 bucks for a slab, 20, $22 of that is tax. And then you pay an extra 5% on top of that. In GST. And twice a year it just happens. And people this week have been concerned that their local bowling club or golf club or RSL, particularly people listening to me throughout regional Australia, they're worried that this could be the death knell. That this could just suddenly mean the difference between their club being able to open or not. Um, I know that Jason from Rockhampton has been wanting to say something about it. Jason, g'day. How you going, mate? I'm good. Yeah, I just want to say about this alcohol thing that it's yep. just taking taking food out of kids' mouths because your alcoholic mum and dad they're still going to go and buy the alcohol no no matter what, and mm. and it's going to be Dan Murphy that has to put off five people that week because he he's lost a whole heap of business and things like the people that that's not going to buy the alcohol is me and you that don't drink much. The people that will that will buy it is the alcoholic, and it's not helping anybody. So, so you're saying that somebody who has an alcohol problem, they're going to continue to buy their alcohol, and use that money that they they maybe should be spending on food for their kids. Is that what you're saying? Hundred percent. It's just so is it, and the same with cigarettes. Same with cigarettes. It's just taking more money out of the kids out of the mum and dad's pocket, uh, whether they, whatever they do with their money is their business, fair enough, but it's, t- it's given less money to, to the grocery bill. I wonder, are we going to see a real surge in home brewing now? A lot of people do home brew, and um, you can make 
as much as you want. You can make it as alcoholic as you want. And there's no government legislation telling you what to do. It's funny, isn't it? But you can't grow your own tobacco. No, but if with, with the brew and the alcohol, if you don't know what you're doing and you can't do it, you, you're still going to go and buy it, aren't you? Yeah, but a home brew kit doesn't cost much. Then you all you need is bottles. Um, and uh, you, you can make your own home brew. And it's very, very cheap. Yeah, well, I wonder if we'll see a a surge in home brewing shops. But anyway, Jason, that's interesting. Jason's saying that if mum and dad's got a drinking problem, it's not going to stop them buying their alcohol, but they're going to buy their alcohol before they buy food for their kids. It's an interesting thought. Thanks for your call, Jase. Yeah, you're all right. See you, mate. Bye-bye. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Jeff, good morning. Good morning, oh, Mr. Jesus. No, don't, don't get all uh, antsy-pantsy and get your knickers in a knot. I'm not here for the quickie. I'm not here for where's Wadwick. Let's talk about the uh, problems of the world. Yeah. Respect. Yes. Respect. There is no respect. No respect for the law. These uh, people that come from overseas, from Somalia, Sudan... They're all war-torn countries. Mm. These children or these little kids that come over as refugees, that's all they've seen all their lives. So they know, oh, we can do what we like. We can't be touched. Well, if they're an Australian citizen, revoke their citizenship, send them back there. What if they came here as... As far as I'm concerned, an eye for an eye. What if they came here as little children? Well, that's what I'm just saying. They've seen, they've seen shit that goes... Okay, so you've got someone who's come here at the age of four or five from Somalia. Um, their parents are now Australian citizens. They're uh, Australian citizens. And when they finally get to 15 or 16, they commit crimes. Are you telling me that that child that came here when they were little should go back to Somalia? Bloody oath. Bloody oath. They do it to the Kiwis. Yeah, the, they, send, they send the Kiwis back home when they've done their time. They get put on the phone and get sent okay, back. Okay, but a kid that comes here at four or five from Somalia has learnt their bad behaviour whilst they're here. They didn't learn that in Somalia, did they? No, they have learnt it in over... Yeah, the- so why should you send someone who's now living here um, and been living here for 10 or 12 years and they've come here when they were tiny, you want to send them back to Somalia? Yeah. Right yeah, good on you, Jeff. Thanks, mate. We'll we'll hear with the quickie next week, mate. One triple three. That makes absolutely no sense at all. Absolutely no sense at all. You got a child that comes here when they're little, and they commit a crime when they're here, and you want to send the child back to Somalia after it's been living here most of its life. And I understand that parents who come here from countries that are war torn and come here with an attitude. I get that. But a child? Nah. Nice try, Jeff. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Fiona's online. Hello, Fiona. How are you, Luke? Good. Um, well, we lived in Belbert Park for ten years, and nine of those ten years was hell. It's full of Samoans. It's full of Africans, and because there's so many of them, they just run wild. But but this is this is the parental influence. If if you live in Australia, you live by our values, our rules, and our laws. 
surely. And it's got to be the same for everyone, whether you're Indigenous, whether you're from Somalia, whether you're from Blacktown, whether you, it doesn't matter. We live by one set of laws and there should be one punishment. We can't be tr- treating people because of the colour of their skin or their background with kid gloves. No, that's right. And a lot of them, these parents, some of the parents are just as bad. Well, it, it, that's right, and it stems from the parents. Yep. It's like we, we were, the street that we lived in was full of Samoans and Africans. And it was to the point where we couldn't drive down the street without them making an issue of it. Mm. But we got assaulted in our front yard by Samoans. Um, I had a head-on car crash with an African man. I had okay, my- now, is this a cultural thing, or is this because they're... Because of their parents and their families, they live in enclaves and they form gangs and they feel that they're safe in a gang. And the one thing that gangs have in common is that if they look the same, they they uh, they feel safe in that gang. And if they're not all from the same background, what do bikies do? They wear the same leather outfits. They wear the same badges. So is it a cultural thing or is it just because they're running in a gang and they feel safe in numbers? It's the safety in numbers. That's what I think. Yep. We... It's not Samoan culture to abash people and to break the law. It is not in their culture. So it's a gang thing. Yep. We had about 20 of them bashing us up in our front yard. I tried to protect my daughter because she had long blonde hair and she was being pinned down by a 20-something-year-old Samoan. My husband was surrounded by about 15 of them. I got punched in the forehead by a 14-year-old Simone. But, yeah, the, the Africans... But it's not their culture. That's not their culture. No. So where it's is this... It's numbers. It's, it's, it's numbers. It's yep. numbers. But the... Um, we knew the, the family of the lady that was murdered. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just a, a not a nice area to be because there's so many of them. Well, should there be more police at this shopping centre? Somebody just rang up who goes there a lot. Red Bank Plains Shopping Centre. Do they need more security guards? Do they need a, big, a bigger police presence? And do they need to, do security guards need to have more power? Because everybody knows that these security guards have no power. There's, there's a no-hands-on policy. They can't do anything. And, and, and these dead shits know it. Maybe we need to give security guards. Maybe the security guards don't want it. Maybe they don't want the more power. I don't know. We need to talk to them. Fiona, I've got to keep moving. Thanks for your call. One triple three five three is the telephone number if you uh, want to be part of the program. Lots to talk about this morning. Um, where was I? Where was I? Um, oh yes, because it's a it's a massive problem. It is a massive problem if you snore. And Sove are the snoring sleep apnea specialists. If you need treatment, first of all, you need to be diagnosed and they can organise bulk billing. But did you know you can get the latest accessories, ResMed, Philips, Fisher and Pykel, and for only a dollar up front and between $25 and $54 fortnightly for three years, 
You shouldn't let the cost of treatment hold you back. Sove, S-O-V-E, one three hundred seven six two nine three nine. CPAP is used for obstructive sleep apnea treatment. Always follow the directions for use. When considering whether CPAP's right for you, speak to your doctor. Payment plans available for approved applicants only. Fees, terms, conditions, minimum amounts and exclusions apply. Hey, one triple three five three is the number. Are you over Facebook? Were you excited when it came out? Were you like many of the millions who posted photos and joined groups and had your say and and now are you sick of it? Is has Facebook peaked? Are we over it? Twenty years was it worth it? Is the world better off having had Facebook? Trevor Long says yes. What do you reckon? One triple three five three. The night shift, triple M. Rob the cabbie. Had to go uh, about an hour ago. He had some customers, but he's back with me now. Rob, sorry about that. No, you're right, mate. So you're a cabbie, not an Uber driver? No, I'm a taxi driver, mate. An old-fashioned taxi driver. Whereabouts? In Gladstone. Okay, tell me, about what population do you service at this time of the morning? Um, believe it or not, I've been flat out since 7 o'clock yesterday afternoon. Really? That's Isn't that good? Um, now... I had a call from an Uber driver a couple of weeks yep. ago. <laughs> um, he was a food dis- delivery service Uber driver, okay? Yep. And he's allowed to drive for 12 hours. And after 12 hours, his meter goes off. He can't take any more bookings. Okay. But what he does is he goes over to another food delivery service. Yeah. And you can drive for another 12 hours. He told me that he can rotate four. He had four uh, food home delivery service apps, companies that he worked for. None of the four spoke to each other. None of the four knew that he'd already driven 12 hours for the, other, for, for the opposition. And if he wanted to, he could drive for two or three days straight. Yeah. Depending on how you know, how his business was going and how hungry his family was. With taxis, are you allowed to work for a taxi company and then also be an Uber driver? Um, I assume so because yeah. we are kind of classed as subcontractors, all right? So right. We- so when you're a taxi driver, you don't sign a, a contract with your employer saying, uh, like I do, I can't go and work for another radio station. Mind you, this place would probably love it if I did but I'm still here. But I mean, so you can't go from one taxi company to another if you, or can you? Oh, look, I, um, in Gladstone, we've got blue and white taxis. That's the only taxi company in Gladstone. I'm not sure about bigger cities. I mean, I've only been driving taxis for the last probably two years in Gladstone. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about bigger cities. Yeah. But as far as I know, in Gladstone, um, there's a few different owners of taxis um, and then they subcontract through blue and white taxis and then we are hired as subcontractors. Are oh, you a subcontractor? So you, you can work for whoever, can you? Yeah. So you could, you could be an Uber driver. I keep, I'm not picking on Uber, I promise you, but that's the only one that I can think of. Um, so you could work for Uber and remain a subcontractor for your blue and white taxis in Gladstone at the same time. Yeah, so I, I could mm. drive, I, I do night shifts, so I could drive taxis overnight, and then mm. 
I wanted to, I could probably do Uber during the day. And no, my boss wouldn't care as long as I'm earning him money in his taxi yes. during my allocated hours. How much does it cost you to get behind the wheel? All right, so you need to get a medical, which costs me 150 It depends on your doctor. Yes. And then you need to get your industry license, which includes a nationwide police check, which is about $211 for one year. Mm. Um, I just renewed mine uh, late December, which cost me $186, I think, mm. for the whole year. Yeah, it's not too bad. It, it's it's worth getting into. Um, I wouldn't do it in a bigger city. I wouldn't do it in a big city. You wouldn't? Too dangerous, I reckon. Um, and right. then you've got, too much, you've got too much competition with Uber in a big city. Now, in Gladstone, it's not a big town, probably 25,000, 30,000 people, yeah. maybe a handful of Uber drivers in town. Now, I know the Uber drivers. Gladstone's not that big a town, so you can't get to know But one. you're flat out. You've been flat out at in the yeah. in, uh, working the overnight shift. Yes. Why is that? What, what's going on in Gladstone? How come people need m- moving around at this time? <laughs> Kind of funny. People do ask me because all the pubs and the clubs are closed and the streets are like ghost towns. But I'm picking people up from one house, dropping them off to another house. Um, I've got like we've got uh, fly-in, fly-out workers. We've got the train station. Um, QAL workers like to start their shifts nice and early. But uh, mate, most of my jobs, believe it or not, have been picking up people from one house to another house. It's it's strange at the moment. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Gladstone, you're flat out overnight. So you don't own that car. Someone owns it and you, uh, they pay you. How does it work? I get 50% of what the meter takes in every night. 50%. And if you pick the car up and it's full of fuel, have you got to drop it off full of fuel? Yes. The, we've got a fuel card in the taxi that the owner of the taxi paid for. But that comes out of your earnings? No. It doesn't? No. Okay. Is it a hybrid that you're driving? Toyota hybrid, brand spanking new, mate. And is, is that a good thing? Is, as far as fuel efficiency, that'd be, that'd be brilliant for you, wouldn't it? Amazing. Well, I've had the car for two days a day driver. didn't drive yesterday, so I've had the car for two days and literally have only gone, I've just filled it up and I had a quarter of a tank left. Yeah. I, I average about 400 k's a night. I just bought uh, the Minister for War and Finance for her birthday last year, November. I bought her a hybrid because she, yeah. because she only drives around our suburb. Yeah, and, well she, and she was driving a Suzuki Grand Vitara V6 heavy, yeah. and it was ridiculous. And so I bought her this hybrid. Gosh, she loves it. And yeah. um, and she, I, I think I've only put petrol in it once, and I only ever half filled it because James Ward has always said to me, don't give a tank of petrol a free ride. What he's saying is don't fill it up because it weighs more, which means you burn more. But um, she just loves this hybrid. God. Anyway, um, so you're happy driving overnights? You're earning enough money? Um, Yeah. Yeah, I earn some pretty decent coin. Um, Good on you. I started off doing day shift in a maxi taxi with the wheelchair ramp. Yes, yes. Um, I did that for about a year and a half. Um, and then circumstances in my life changed. Um, so as I said earlier, I've got three teenage boys. My oldest teenage boy, he passed away January last year. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. Um, so, look, at the moment, like, I don't sleep much during the night due to the fact of that. So it's you keep yourself awful. You keep yourself busy. 
Yeah, yeah, keep yourself busy during the night. And then I've got, I've got my other two boys there, 14 and 15. I've been a full-time dad with these three boys. Yeah. Well, I didn't know about your son. I'm so, so sorry, Rob. Yeah, tragic accident. Um, you may have heard of the young fella that was electrocuted on the train bridge in Gladstone January last year. Rings a bell. It was your boy, was it? That was my son, yeah. So his two brothers and a couple of his mates were down there when it happened. What so. happened? Oh, look, they were all jumping. No, actually, don't tell me if it's too hard. I, I had no right to ask. Please don't, Rob. Don't, don't answer it if you don't feel like it. I'll tell you what. One thing about my job, it's helped me learn how to carry the loss of my son because I, I i'm I, I love talking my my nickname when i was growing up was bloody uh, motor mouth i couldn't stop talking so this job for me is good and talking about my son especially to the locals in gladstone one it makes people aware of the dangers in life and two it, it helps me keep his memory alive it, it helps me get through the night it helps me get through the day talking about him it just it just helps it really does so well if it helps you talk but i don't i have no i had no right to uh, so if you want to tell me what happened no look him and his brothers and a bunch of his mates the local kids there's a train bridge that the local kid used to go and jump off a train bridge in, yeah, into the creek. It's called Police Creek. All yes, right? So yes. they jump off the bridge into the creek. And my son stupidly got the idea to climb up the tower and try and get a rope off there, up there so they could swing off the rope into the water. He was wet. He got too close to the power lines. And you could imagine the rest, all right? Um, so, look, my reason for ringing you is the problem we've got oh, with time is... A lot of them are bored. Everything's too expensive. And a lot of them don't have enough money to be able to go to the cinema, to be able to go bowling or to be able to go to the local pools. Or It's like the day, the day my son had his accident, because um, I'm a taxi driver, I've got the opportunity to be able to swing by my house whenever I need to to check on the kids. So... I swung by, I see what they're all up to. They're all getting ready to go for a swim. And I said to them, do you want me to take you down to local pools? And they're like, no, Dad, it's too expensive. We'll just go find somewhere else to swim. So lo and behold, they went to the drain bridge and Brandon had his accident. Now, Gladstone's not that big a town. I don't know about other towns and other cities, but I know for a fact that Gladstone does not have enough for the teenagers to do in this town. If there was more for the teenagers to do, he wouldn't have had his accident. Youth crime wouldn't be as big of an issue in this town. Um, and also, it comes down to education. It comes down to how the how the child child was raised, and it comes down to discipline, follow through, and consequences to your action. When now, you say not, when you say not enough, when you say not enough to do, what what are you suggesting should be provided for them to do? Pauline Hanson says sport is a great way of deterring kids from committing crime and, and she's yeah, right to an extent costs money as well hey? and here's the issue the issue is money it all comes down to the bottom dollar if it's too expensive mm. it won't happen like, pauline I, hansen says yes she appreciates that sport is expensive but she said a lot of parents waste money um on designer clothes uh expensive mobile phones etc is she correct at all look in in some ways yeah when you get those 
Oh, look, I'm not, I'm not one to judge people, but when you get those mums in the $60,000 four-wheel drives with everything in it and, you know, yeah, all right, some do, but the average Joe Blow, which is 80% of this country, no. Wow. Listen, I'm so, so sorry to hear about your boy. I did not know anything, but if it helps you to talk about it, feel free to ring us anytime, okay? Yeah, look, I've only I've only been doing night shift a um, couple of weeks before Christmas, so I've only kind of just started listening to you then, mate. And I tell you what, you're a bloody legend. Well, you're part of the night shift family. Even pain in the ass, Jeff is part of the night shift family. Um, um, sometimes he just gets too much for me, but he's part of the family, and you are too. And please, you take care of yourself. I certainly will, mate. I certainly will. All but right. look, really, it just comes down to, to education. Education, men, and discipline. And look, quickly, Pauline Hanson was right. We need to make these juvenile detention centres a place that they don't like to go. A place Sim- they don't want to go. She says that they're a place that they do want to go because it's luxury. It's a holiday camp. Thanks for your call. You uh, Please call back any time, okay? Certainly, sure, mate. All right. See you, Rob. Cheers, Luke. Bye-bye. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, for those who missed it, yeah, Pauline Hanson, I had her on the program yesterday. She says one of the problems is, yeah, idle hands creates the devil's work. She said she uh, thinks that more kids should be channeled into sport and police youth clubs and that sort of thing. I suggested to her that a lot of you are telling me that organised sport is really expensive. And this was her response. The trouble with all this is the insurance cost to these sporting venues and um, for them to actually take up the insurance and the cost involved with it. When I went to school, we I was involved in everything. I learned tennis, I played softball, I played basketball, I did gymnastics. I went to the um, local um, youth club and uh, I know I did a lot there. People need to seek out some of these youth clubs as well and get the kids involved in that. To keep the kids active is the best thing in the world for them. Take them to some, you know, swimming classes, go to the local pool. But it costs money, but it costs money. Uh, To that extent, $1,800, it is a lot of money. But then again, how many of these parents have bought their kids a mobile phone? How many parents have bought their kids a computer? How many have bought these PlayStations? So really, you get your priorities right with the parents. I know money's limited. And yes, some of these sporting venues, but because the cost that, that's gone up for them, um, yes, it is. Maybe it's something that maybe state governments can actually start looking at possibly subsidising this. But parents, I'd suggest don't buy your kids the designer clothes or shoes or whatever they want or designer haircuts. Get your priorities right. And sport is the best thing for kids to get involved in. Designer haircuts? What's a design? Is your is your haircut a designer haircut? If If so, you need your money back. Well, I wouldn't say as far as mine is, but people do splash on haircuts, girls particularly. Like, they would spend $100, $200 on a hairdo. Um, she says, don't buy your kids expensive mobile phones. Just get them a Nokia. Designer clothes, labels. She says, you know, look at your priorities. Spend your money wisely. And get your kids into sport. You know, that's Pauline Hanson from yesterday. Uh, I'm sure you've heard the buzz about Nature Bee's Power Pollen. Thousands and thousands of Australians start their day with more energy, better overall health and well-being. Thanks to Power Pollen's potent pack of micronutrients. 
It is a superfood, and it comes with a money-back guarantee. Look, I can promise you this, more energy, a better night's sleep, a boosted immune system. And if you don't feel better after taking your Nature B at the end of the jar, send the empty jar back, and the cookette will refund your money, no questions asked. Now, if you want to give it a go, you get a, a week for free if you use the code 10OFF. $29.95 plus delivery, and you'll get a week's free supply of power pollen when you get your three-month supply. Stocks are limited, so you better hurry. Order now at powerpollen.com.au. I swear by it. Money back guarantee. The quickie's coming up. Just before I go to the quickie, we've got some breaking news that's come through just a few minutes ago, and I'm hoping to talk to Dr. Keith Souter about this. Uh, no doubt he'll be on Sunrise on Channel 7 this morning talking about this. Donald Trump is in more poo. And listen to this. A federal appeals court panel has decided to reject Donald Trump's arguments that he cannot be criminally prosecuted for his efforts to overturn the 2020 election results because it involved actions that he took while president. While hearing oral arguments in Washington, D.C., on the 9th of January, the three-judge panel at the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit had expressed, expressed scepticism with Trump's claim to immunity while the former U.S. president looked on in the courtroom. Today, just now, they have rejected that claim. Last year, Donald Trump filed a motion to dismiss the federal indictment brought by the special counsel, Jack Smith, which charged the former president over his efforts to reverse the 2020 election, including by advancing fake slates of electors and obstructing Congress on that terrible day, that 6th of January 2021. Now, the motion's been rejected by the trial judge, prompting Trump to appeal the D.C. Circuit. The special counsel sought to bypass the potentially lengthy appeals process by asking the U.S. Supreme Court to intervene directly. But the nation's highest court returned the case to the appeals court. The ruling has been issued by the panel, which includes one judge appointed under George H.W. Bush's presidency and two chosen by Joe Biden. The very legal process itself is acting as a hindrance to the prosecution in the federal criminal case and playing into Trump's hands. A grand jury indicted Trump last August, accusing him of conspiracy to defraud the US, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, obstruction of an attempt to obstruct an official proceeding and conspiracy against rights in the case brought by the Department of Justice appointed Smith. As I say, Trump always said that he had immunity because all of those accusations happened while he was president of the United States. And just now, just this morning, a federal appeals court panel has decided that those arguments are not right and that Donald Trump can face those actions. He does not have immunity. 
Trump faces 91 charges in four separate criminal cases, two federal, one in New York and one in Georgia. That news, just a hand. You heard it here. The Night Shift. Around Australia on the Triple M Network. All righty, the quickie is into day three. So no clue on day one. Day two, uh, give us a hug. The clue for today, Wednesday, is what was it, Thomas? You came up with it. You thought of this. We're entering the third dimension. Yes, we're entering the third dimension. There's a clue. Does that ring a bell? Give us a hug, clue number one. Clue number two. We're entering the third dimension. Here is the quickie. Massive hit. Huge, huge hit. We're entering the third dimension. One, triple, three, five, three. Alone at night in a deserted office building. A silver bullet in his heart? No. It's not the plot of a horror film. Who is it? It's the night shift around Australia on the Triple M Network. A lot of people online wanting to have their say. Stay patient. I will get to each and every one of you. Here's Chisel now on Triple M. Chisel from their first album, um, The Night Shift Around Australia on the Triple M Network, Wednesday morning, February 7. Um, The other breaking news, and we'll bring you this in a little while, Hugh Whitfield from Channel 7. Channel 7's London correspondent rang me earlier in the program. Um, The latest on King Charles cancer scare. Uh, The news is that Harry has arrived in Great Britain to be by his father's side. There's some breaking news and all of this, and we'll give it to you shortly. Uh, In the meantime, um, Ken's online. G'day, Ken. There you go, mate. I'm good, thank you, Ken. Thanks for waiting on. You've got got an interesting story about your mum and this shopping centre, the Red Bank Plains Shopping Centre. What's happened? Yeah, my mum used to be a cleaner there uh, up to about six months ago. She actually got attacked. She actually got she actually got attacked twice there in the space of about a year and a half. Your mum was a cleaner at the Red Bank Plain Shopping Centre, and she was attacked twice. Yep. By teenagers. Yeah, um, thirteen, fourteen-year-old. What was the reason for the attack? Um, I think the first one was more just to scare her. They mm. just chased her around that, the underground car park. Because at that time, she was made that she had to, they had to park their cars underneath. The cleaners had to park their cars downstairs. Right. I, I've heard about this underground car park. And so she was harassed by a group of teenagers. How many? Uh, she said there was about, about four of them for that one. And how old were they? Could she, could she tell? Nah, she said they're quite young. So I'm thinking probably about 13, 12, 13. Oh, how frightening. And your mum, they didn't rob her or anything. They were just harassing her for fun. Yeah, just for fun. But the second time, it got a bit serious. What happened the second time? They chased her. She got into a car. So then they all started smashing the windows of the car, getting in, threatening her with her life and everything. And she managed to grab her phone. And she just hit oh, speed dial on one, and that happened to be my phone number. And I was only 
lived just around the corner. And I, she, all I could hear was this yelling. And I looked at my mum and I was like, oh, I'm not right. And I shot off down to the um, shops down there. And yeah, there was uh, 12, there was 12 kids. Mm. I reckon the oldest would have been 14. Oh. Youngest would have been about eight. And yeah. Were, were these kids of African descent too? Did you, did you know? Uh, mix everything. Every, everything. Okay. 14 was the oldest. How old would the youngest have been? About eight years old. Eight? Yep. What, what's going on, Ken? I've got no idea, mate. What time, of, what time of the day was this? Uh, this would have been about 11 o'clock at night. 11 o'clock at night. Does there need to be more security at this place? Uh, the security is not, as that other person said, the security is non-existent. I asked my mum about that. She said there's three security officers on shift for the whole shopping centre. That's it. And she, this is 11 o'clock at night and, and she's going home. Yep. And these kids yeah, were... The, hang- only, the only reason why she didn't get too badly done was because I turned up there in my ute and they've seen me hop out of the ute, and then they've gone to go me, and then my two great Danes have jumped out of the back of the ute, and the kids have crapped themselves and took off. <laughs> so thank God you had your dogs. Yep. If you that, didn't, if you didn't have your dogs, you might have been assaulted as well. Yeah, but I kind of knew what was going on because when I ran out to the car, my dog sort of sat up, and I just yelled out, I "Went in!" And the dogs jumped straight in the back of the tray, and they know jump in the tray, lay down. Until they get where they're going to. Your mum's lucky to be alive, maybe. What, what, yep. what were they after? Were they after? Were they trying to steal her car? Do you think? Uh, still, I reckon they were after the money because that night she happened to be taking home the um, the the uh, takings for the um, cleaners and everything. Like she was also part of the um, uh, payroll system. Mm. So I reckon she was. Well, she should have had security with her. But it sounds to me as though this place is lacking security and it's attracting the wrong people at the wrong times. People are telling me it's fantastic between 8 and midday, but after midday, the kids arrive and it goes to shit. Oh, mate, in the morning, it is the greatest shopping centre. It is beautiful. The place is really nicely done up. But, yeah, stay away. From midday, you just don't even want, you don't even want to be in there. All right. Well, here's a message to centre management at Red Bank Plain Shopping Centre. You need more security, more lighting, more CCTV cameras, and maybe a, and maybe a message to the local area command, some more police patrolling this place in the afternoon into the evening. I'm so sorry your mum went through that. I hope she's okay. And, Ken, thanks for telling us the story. No worries, buddy. Okay, you take care. One triple three five three. Christ, it's a frightening world, isn't it? It's just a frightening world. What did he say? The oldest about 14, the youngest about eight. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Hey, listen, if you're like me and you can't stand the pesky summer invaders, and I'm not talking about people invading shopping centres, I'm talking about people invading your backyard, the mozzies and the flies. With all the rain, we are in for a hell of a mozzie season and you need to get rid of them because they can spread disease. And I have recently discovered this game changer. It's the Executioner XXL from Pestrol. 
Now, I've known Andrew Fennell, the owner of Pestrol, for 20 years. And all his products come with a warranty, a backup, and they work. And this is the bad boy of mozzie zappers, let me tell you. It is a total game changer. And it doesn't just repel mozzies, it annihilates them. And fast. And it works over a 300 metre square coverage. And here's the kicker. Order the Executioner XXL now for only $149.90 and they will throw in this fantastic tennis racket zapper for free. It's a lot of fun and it's also very practical. It's free, but he's only got a few of them. So we can only do 10 today. So for the next 10 orders, pestrol.com.au. Order the Executioner XXL and get the tennis racket zapper thrown in for free. And by the way, you'll also get free delivery Australia-wide when you use the code BONA, B-O-N-A. Hurry, there's only 10. Stocks are running low. Don't let flies and mozzies ruin your summer. Grab the Executioner XXL and enjoy the great outdoors. Pest free and get rid of those mozzies, which are very, very dangerous. Lots of them at the moment. Pestrol.com.au. All right, I need the quickie. I need a I need a winner. Now it's day three today. The quickie clue number one was give us a hug. Clue number two is we're entering the third dimension. The quickie sounds like this. It is a huge hit from a huge artist. You all know it backwards. Have a crack. I need the name of the song. I need the name of the artist. And you can call through now. We've finally got some lines available. We have had no room. I mean, we've had a full board of calls since midnight. It's been crazy this morning, but it's been good conversation. Even you, Jeff. Even you, Jeff. I'm calmed down a bit now. You've, you're still part of the family, Jeff. Sharon, hello. Hi, how are you going? I'm good, thank you, Sharon. Um, just wanted to talk to you about um, the youth crime. Yeah. Um, many years ago, I actually worked at a local police station. Yes, in what, um, in what and- capacity? Just as a cleaner. Okay, but you got to watch things. Well, no, I actually got to um, speak. I had very young children, so I got um, very friendly with a local sergeant Mm -hmm. and was talking to him about how can we actually, um, what can I do for my children to ensure that they don't actually get into... Yeah, um, how do my kids stay in the straight and narrow? I I think I'm doing the best I can, but what can you do? Yeah. Yes, and um, we did have a, a bit of crime around here, and he just said to me that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, mm. and that made me think. Um, when we're talking about um, getting the children involved in sports and mm. that sort of stuff, because we did discuss that, mm. um, you can you can get the kids there, but if they're not interested, mm. there's nothing we can do. So what can we do? I remember the Police Citizens Youth Club was very, very active in Young when I moved there in 1980. And they really had their finger on the pulse with the youth of the area. And they were proactive with sport. And I'm talking all sorts of sports for both boys and girls. But they had blue light discos. And the police seemed to have a great relationship with the local youth. Does that still happen? Well, where I am, I I said I'm from Shepparton, but I'm actually from a smaller town, from mm. Shepparton. Okay, we're close um, to Yes, and we actually don't have those facilities. I become the secretary of the local scout group and we got that up and running because we didn't have that um, going at the time and we really tried to encourage all of these children to join. 
but again, you know, what what can you do? You can get them there, but if they're not willing to participate, there's nothing we can do. Well, that's very very true. Anyone out there with some ideas now? If you've if you've got great infrastructure and you've got a, a sporting associations willing to take kids on, but the kids aren't interested, how do we get them interested? What about role models? Now, do we need more, do we need more government subsidy to get more kids into sports so that we have more successful sports people that become role models? Look at how many kids, in particular, Aboriginal kids that join Little Athletics after watching Kathy Freeman in the year 2000? Well, it's actually funny because we have a really high um, amount of Aboriginal children here, mm-hmm. and that's actually what we were talking about. Um, and, again, he sort of said, yes, we can get them there, but they're not necessarily going to follow through. How is it that kids feel safer on the streets hanging around train stations and bus stations um, running with a, with a group and from the ages of eight. How is it they feel safer doing that than being home in their own homes? That's a tragedy. It, it certainly is. But when you're living in rural um, areas like I do, there's 1,500 people where I live. Yes. And we don't have public transport. Mm. It's, uh, we don't have this sort of stuff. Mm. So it's, it's very, very different to the cities. And I don't think people realise that. Mm. We don't have the facilities that they have. We, you know, we can't chuck a kids on a bus or a train or anything else. So what else are they going to do? So what sort of mischief are people, other kids getting up to where you live? Um, we're actually pretty good where I am. Um, but I know Shepparton, which is probably about 40 minutes from me, mm. um, that they just get into trouble. They just can't help themselves. And we really do not have enough support people to encourage them to join these groups. What about the fact people keep telling me that we've got juvenile crime because there are no consequences. What do you make of that? Should there be tougher consequences? I think that comes down to um, all our disciplinary actions have been taken away from us Mm. and away from the teachers. So there, there is no consequence. We tell a child they're not allowed to do something and they sort of say, well, that's against my rights. Um, I was very hard and was very strong with my discipline with my children. I had four children. But I look at my grandchildren now and, you know, they get told off for something and they say, well, I'm going to ring the police because you can't do that. Mm. I've told this story a hundred times and it'll never leave me because I remember taking this phone call. My regular listeners will remember this too. Now, Jess was with me when this call came through, so it's a few years ago. But I'll never forget it, Sharon. And a mother, a concerned mother, rang me. And she said, you won't believe what happened to me. She said, my 14-year-old daughter was being a complete shit the other night. She was being rude, sullen. Uh, She'd broken a curfew. She was in trouble. And the mother at the dinner table tried to talk to her about, where where were you? Why are you late? Um, And the daughter was rude to her, told her to F off and Mm -hmm. none of your business. And the, and the mother said, well, you can go to your room. Put, put, put your knife and fork down. You can go up to your room. You need some time out, and you can think about the way you're speaking to me, and you can think about telling me where you were the other night when you should have been home, and when you're ready to talk to me civilly, we'll have a conversation. But in the meantime, get up to your room. Put your knife and fork down. So the, mm-hmm. girl, go, so the girl went to school the next day, 
was telling her friends and telling a teacher what had happened. Yes. That day, two police officers turned up at the home, arrested the mother, and charged her for deprivation of liberty. And how very sad is that? She went to the police station, was fingerprinted. Eventually, the charges were dropped, and the 14-year-old came to her senses. But the school called the department, they called the police, and she was charged with deprivation of liberty for sending her 14-year-old daughter to her room. I'm not kidding. That's, that's what the caller told me. And I'm actually not surprised about that. Um, I was, I said again, I was very, um, very strong with my children, um, very strict with the discipline. Um, and I look at my grandchildren now and I am just as strong with them. But one thing I do know about them is they have far more respect for me than they do their own mother because I have boundaries. Mm. This is what I expect. And if you don't do it, then there is consequences. Um, now, what you're saying, Pauline Hanson said exactly that this time yesterday. She said power has been taken away from the parents. It has. Now, we're not talking about flogging your children and leaving bruises, but was the wooden spoon around the, um, around the ankles that bad? No. I had a child with ADHD, and I tell you, he just did my head in completely. But I was still very strong and very disciplined with him. I would hate to think where he would be now if I hadn't have been like that. You get, what did the police sergeant say to you? You can lead a horse to water. You can have all the sporting infrastructure and everything in place in your small town, but what if the kids just still don't want it? What do you do then? Sharon, it's a really interesting question. Thank you for calling. Okay. Thank you very much, Luke. And please feel free to call me back anytime. Okay, thanks. Have a good night. See you, mate. Bye-bye. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Come on, this quickie. Have a listen to it. It's on the podcast if you want to replay it over and over. The clue is we've entered the third dimension. Uh, Thomas, I know this song really, really well. In fact, what year were you born, Thomas? 95. Okay, this was released a decade before Thomas was born. There you go. About nearly 10 years. That gives you something. Nearly 10 years. Um, and yet I didn't get the third dimension thing. He went, you, Thomas had to explain it to me. So it's a little bit out there, Thomas. It is. I think tomorrow's you know clue. It. I think tomorrow's clue. We're going to bring it home. We but, do. But mind you, it is a song we can play during the man cave. I pick it well. That's oh. why. Oh, that's the quickie. What song is it? Who's the artist? One triple three five three. The night shift triple M. Good day, Dave. How are you? David in Aubrey. I'm very good. How are you? Yeah, good. What's up, mate? What's up, Dave? Yeah, Talk I to me. To... Yeah, I want to do the quickie. Yeah, what is it? The final countdown by Europe. No, it's not, Dave. I'm very sorry. Tony, what's the quickie? Uh, Stevie Wright, Evie. Oh, what a great song. No, it's not that old. Come back a bit this way, okay? I wish it was because that would that would mean I could play it. In fact, bugger it, I'll play it anyway. I don't know if I have time today. It runs eleven and a bit minutes. If you and you've got to play parts one, two, and three, haven't you? Absolutely. You can't just play one part. Yeah. It should be illegal. They should pass legislation that any radio station that only plays parts one, two, or three of Evie by Stevie Wright, they should have their um, license uh, revoked. Absolutely, taken off air. Taken off air, exactly. 
Thank you, Tony. Goodbye. See you, mate. Bye-bye. One triple three five three is the telephone number. If you would like to be part of the program, we'll take a quick break. Be back. News out of the UK is the Duke of Sussex, Prince Harry, has arrived in the UK to visit his father following the King's cancer diagnosis that we brought you uh, here on this program yesterday. We were the first to break that news here on the night shift. That's what we do. Uh, But um, yesterday the news was Prince Harry was looking to head to the UK to be by his father's side. They thought it would take a couple of days. He's there now. He's arrived in London after an overnight flight from Los Angeles. We'll have more news on that with Hugh Whitfield from Channel 7, live from London in uh, just a second. Hey, uh, Barry, hello. Hello. G'day, Baz. Hey, how are we going? I'm good. Where are you calling from? Uh, currently from Maryborough. Where's that? Maryborough, on the Fraser Coast. On the Fraser Coast in Queensland? Yes. What are you doing up? What do you do? Uh, security. Okay. Talk to me. Why, why are you ringing me? Um, just wanted to talk about the youth crime and just how ridiculous it's getting. Yeah, it's more than ridiculous, mate. It, it on Sunday became deadly. Unfortunately, in our local area, it was, it's already been deadly. And unfortunately, three people lost their lives because a 13 year old decided to steal a car and crashed it. Mm. And um, it's just ridiculous. You see them walking around at all hours of the night. I've have, I've caught them on my own security cameras looking through my fence trying to get into my property. Mm. It's just it's frightening. absolutely just out of control. It's frightening. I mean, I can't believe I asked this question on the radio a couple of weeks ago. I said, how many people, not just in Queensland, but around Australia, sleep with a weapon next to their bed, fearing a house invasion? You should have seen the calls. The, the phone went into meltdown. Why are we sleeping with a weapon next to our bed? This is Australia. Oh, they've just got no respect for boundaries at all. They'll, they'll just go straight into your house. They'll try and steal your keys. They'll stand over you. They pick on people that just can't defend themselves, and they think that it's the toughest thing in the face of the earth. So what's the answer? We need an answer. Well, I think that the kids' gloves need to come off and the goody two-shoes need to sit down because they've had their say and it hasn't worked and actually start giving out punishments for the crimes that they're doing. Yeah, well, we're hoping to talk to the leader of the opposition in Queensland, David Crisofilli, tomorrow on the program because I know he's got some strong thoughts and it, 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 enough is enough. Enough is enough. And what about this shopping centre? What about this... Red Bank Plains Shopping Centre, where this murder occurred, I've because because I have a national radio show, I got I got listeners everywhere, and they're telling me that this place has been known for some time to be dangerous. That up until about midday, everything's okay, but then the kids arrive, both school kids and kids that have nothing to do, and the standover tactics, the assaults, the robberies, particularly associated with people who are parked on the underground car park. I I have no idea. I'm only going by what my listeners tell me. Apparently, it's been a problem for some time. A a security guard rang me earlier on and said, everybody knows that we can't do anything, that we're hands off. And the kids, these youth criminals, they think it's a joke. 
Oh, they, they think it's hilarious. I, I went to a place late at night. There was a few kids hanging around. They knew they weren't supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. And I just approached them, tried to talk to them, and I saw one of them was holding a pair of scissors. So I said, what's the pair of scissors for? Mm-hmm. And he looked me dead in the eyes, and he said, they're for stabbing people. Mm. And then he laughed like it was a big joke. Mm. I, I don't even know. I didn't even know what to say after that, like, 13-year-old, 14-year-old. Do you see where you are uh, on the Fraser Coast in Queensland? Do you see kids roaming the streets after midnight? Yes. What, and what All age? What age? Uh, the youngest ones that I've seen, they're 13, 14, all the way up to, yeah, late teens, early 20s. Mm. Yeah, and you hear kids as young as eight running around after midnight. And often people tell me, oh, it's because they feel safer roaming the streets with these gangs than they do back at their homes. Well, something's got to be wrong. And you've got Pauline Hansen telling me that juvenile detention's not a deterrent because a lot of the kids want to go to juvenile detention because it's a holiday camp. They get fed, they have computer games, they have swimming pools, tennis courts, basketball hoops, and their mates and that juvenile detention is a holiday camp. That's what Pauline Hansen said on this program. So there you go. Barry, I thank you for your call, mate. It's frightening. and I wouldn't want to be a security guard. I especially wouldn't want to be a security guard in the shopping centre where the, where the rules are hands off, do nothing physical, do not restrain people because these little bastards, they know that and they just run roughshod over Everybody. It is, as you say, a joke. This is the night shift. The night shift on the Triple M Network. If security guards had more power, and if they could, you know, not just reprimand, but if they could actually physically arrest and control people physically, would, would that help or would that make things worse? I mean, imagine the lawsuits, I guess. Imagine the lawsuits. But they can't do anything, and the, and the kids know it. John, hello. G'day, Luke. G'day, John. I just wanted, yeah, I'm here. I just wanted to crack at the quickie. Yes, mate, go. Um, I see red by split ends. No, it sounds like it, though. Very good yeah. guess. Very good guess, John, but no, I can't give it to you. No banana. Paul, hello. Good morning, Luke. Third dimension. We've entered the third dimension. That's one of the clues. I had no idea what Thomas meant by that, so good luck with it. Yes, Paul. Would it be ZZ Top Give me all your loving? No, it, it's a good guess too. Sorry. Oh, no, I was thinking. That's it. That's the quickie. One, triple, three, five, three. Have a go. Give us a hug was clue number one. We've entered the third dimension is clue number two. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Uh, we spoke to Hugh Whitfield, Channel 7's correspondent in London, a little bit earlier on the program. I want to play it for you now because we have the latest news coming from the UK. And that news is that the Duke of Sussex has arrived to visit his father. We broke the news here on the night shift yesterday that King Charles has cancer. We don't know what sort of cancer. He went into hospital to have a prostate procedure 
And whilst the doctors were there, they discovered a cancer. So he is, uh, the palace is now saying, Buckingham Palace is saying that he will withdraw from official duties until he responds and gets better to treatment, with treatment. Uh, as I say, Hugh Whitfield joined us here on the night shift earlier on. We've got lines available for the first time since midnight. God, it's been a busy morning. Thanks to you. If uh, you'd like to jump on board and have your say, it's your last chance. One triple three five three. I mean, that, that just beggars belief, doesn't it? An 18-year-old, Jen Zeta, um, she spends a whole time on the phone. She badmouths her employer. She bores the crap out of the customers. In fact, two regular customers had to leave. They said, we're not coming back while this girl's here. She drives us cuckoo. Um, but then goes on TikTok. Goes on TikTok and badmouths her employer. So she gets the punt and they couldn't sack her. She goes to unfair dismissal and she wins and she's going to win a payout. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Hey, tell me, have you oh, got, uh, we've got some time? Look, I've got time for a couple of quick calls. I'd love to hear from anyone who's had a really, really bad employee and you couldn't sack them. Tell me about your, the, the employee from hell. What did they do? You went to sack them and couldn't. Give us a call, one triple three five three. It's a lesson. You've got to do it properly. You've got to go through it by the books. But what, I mean, what are you going to do to get sacked around here? What have you got to do to get sacked? Tell me about your employee from hell that you could not sack. What did they do? One triple three five three. Hey, if it's green and it grows, you're going to love Swift Grow, an amazing all-organic fertilizer that has Aussies raving about it. In fact, people ring me and they tell me how much they love Swift Grow. I played um, Pat earlier on this morning. She loves her Swift Grow. And there was another bloke called um, Brendan. God, he loves his Swift Grow. The way I explain it to anyone is because obviously it's not a fertilizer as such. It's like steroids for plants. Hmm. But a few things that happen which I, I still can't get my head around. And one of them is I've got roses and not only does it make healthy roses, they smell nice. But the way that it's helped combat um, black spot. Yeah. And then apart from that, whether it be the grass, I've grown tomatoes, I've grown corn, I've got fruit trees. It just does everything. That is Brendan, who chose to ring me and say, listen, I've got to, I'm just going to give this Swift Grow a huge rap. Swift Grow, the amazing all organic barramundi fertilizer. Everyone's raving about it. Five litres will last you forever. And there's a five-litre bottle for just 120 bucks, and it includes free delivery anywhere in Australia. Stocks are limited. Get it into your garden. Get it into your lawn. You'll thank me. Swiftgrow.com.au. I think that um, your quickie this week has been reasonable. You've had tougher ones. You've had tougher ones. But I think your clue for today, entering the third dimension, I think that's just out there. Well, you have no, to be it smart was out there. No, nah. well, yeah. Before this, I think I think you just yeah. I think People you... who know know. If you're in the know, call up, tell us what it is. It sounds like that. Maybe we need to make it a bit longer. No, don't it's, it's not the first time. It's not the first time you've heard that, is it? No, I think maybe we need to make it a bit longer. There'll, there'll be a killer clue 
on the podcast today that you can listen to before we come on air tomorrow. But maybe there's someone out there that gets it. Give us a hug was clue number one. Clue number two is we've entered the third dimension, which is the clue I reckon is just a bit silly. Think about it. That's the quickie. Have a go. Name of the song, name of the artist, One triple three five three. Yeah, and uh, Shane Oliver, if you missed what he had to say or what he's had to say this week, uh, he'll be a separate clip on our podcast as well. It's a busy thing, our podcast, isn't it? Um, if we don't get a winner to the quickie, uh, tomorrow's clue will also be there. Those leaving me for your brekkie shows, have a great day. Those sticking around, plenty more still to come. Time to have a look at the news that we're waking up to today, Wednesday, February 7. Maddie Larson from Triple M News joins us live. Good morning to you, Madeline. Good morning, Luke. Okay, there's a fair bit to get through this morning. We broke the news live on the night shift this morning um, that the Federal Appeals Court in the United States, they've decided to reject Donald Trump's arguments that he cannot be criminally prosecuted for his efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. What's happened, Mads? That's right. So the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals making that announcement overnight and rejecting the claim that he can't be criminally prosecuted because it involves actions he took while president. Now, this means the former U.S. president can be prosecuted for alleged attempts to overturn the 2020 election. However, he is expected to appeal the ruling. Now, since uh, this announcement, Trump has posted on his social media platform, Truth Social, saying a nation-destroying ruling like this cannot be allowed to stand and that a president will be afraid to act for fear. Uh, It's obviously a major setback for the former president, who is facing more than 90 charges in multiple cases. Uh, Now, this ruling uh, does mean that the case could head to trial before the November election. Uh, Trump, of course, is hoping that it isn't until afterwards. It's um, amazing to think that Trump now faces 91 charges in four (laughs) separate criminal cases, two federal, one in New York, one in Georgia, and it's all everybody else's fault. The other interesting news, and this is the, the rumour, I'd love to know what you think of this. Is it at all possible that if Joe Biden either falls over, I mean, off, off the perch, or just decides he can't do it, he's, he's really had enough, um, Michelle Obama's name is being thrown about as a possible Democrat or Democratic uh, candidate. Your thoughts, Mads? I mean, I'm a big fan of Michelle Obama. I'm not sure if, um, yeah, many people uh, agree with that or disagree with that if they're Trump supporters, though. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, no, I think she's um, an amazing candidate if those uh, reports do prove to be true. But, you know, we always have lots of things like this spoken about. But at the end of the day, it doesn't look like uh, Joe Biden plans to be going anywhere at this stage. So, but he might not um, have much choice. I, that's all I'm saying. And Kamala yes, Harris is exactly. on the nose. Even mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Even mm-hmm. even the Democrats can't stand Kamala Harris. So yeah, Michelle but seeing o- a female become uh, president of America would be a huge yeah, thing, well, they not tried just that. for America. Well, they for tried the that with Hillary, yeah. and it didn't work, did it? So, mm. so and, and not for want of trying. Uh, Madeline Larson, we're looking at news that's breaking today. Prince Harry has arrived in the UK. We spoke to Hugh Whitfeld from Channel Seven earlier today. Um, yes, when I heard about King Charles's diagnosis and then I heard oh, Harry was going to head to the UK, possibly might take two days, I thought, well, if it's important, he'll get there quicker. And he has got there quicker. Yeah, that's right. He's uh, arrived overnight and been spotted at his father's London home. Uh, now, King Charles and Camilla were also later seen leaving Clarence House 
uh, spotted for the first time since the announcement of the King's cancer diagnosis. And they're believed to have arrived in Sandringham this morning uh, with his helicopter seen touching down. Uh, now, obviously, Prince Harry making the swift move over there is uh, really a, a big show there, considering all of the royal drama that's been playing out uh, in the past couple of years. But I think uh, something like a cancer diagnosis really overrules any family dramas when it comes to this. Uh, now, when it comes to uh, King Charles and his role, obviously, we spoke about this yesterday, but he is uh, off of public duties. However, he is still head of state, so he'll be signing papers and whatnot. Uh, next in line to the throne, Prince William will help step in for his father's public duties after spending three weeks off caring for his wife, Kate, and she recovered, uh, She continues to recover from abdominal surgery at the same time as well. So he does have a lot on his plate. So to have Prince Harry there, it might even just be good for some emotional support. Now, as for what it means for the UK government as well, uh, UK PM Rishi Sunak has spoken with BBC Radio overnight and he says that they'll continue to speak regularly and people understand that this means that the weekly meetings will continue. Take a listen. Thankfully, this has been caught early and now everyone will be wishing him because the treatment that he needs and makes a full recovery. I think that's what we're all hoping and praying for. And I'm, of course, in, in regular contact uh, with him and will continue to, to communicate with him as, as normal. So some pri- uh, quite promising signs, I think, that we can hear that from the uh, UK PM, who I'm sure knows a lot more information than the media and the general public know um, about this situation. Sure. Now, this is the, the news I can't believe. The teenagers facing charges in relation to the Queensland grandmother's death. These kids were mm. private school students? What? Yeah, so a court has heard uh, the group of teens allegedly involved in the stabbing death of uh, the Queensland grandmother at that Ipswich shopping centre car park at the weekend were private school students. Now, this is because the media were allowed in when the 16-year-old boy's uh, bail application was heard yesterday. Now, that 16-year-old, as we heard yesterday, has been charged with murder. The other boys, it's important to note, have been charged with motor vehicle offences, while the magistrate also admitted that the community is quite reasonably alarmed by this situation, uh, but quite unusual to allow the media in for that. So uh, we have heard this information and yeah, it continues uh, to go through the courts at the moment. All right. And the world's largest goldfish was being found in an Australian <laughs> pond. What? I know. I can't even keep them alive for that long when I attempt to have them as pets, but it's measured in at 52 centimetres and was captured by biologists in Blue Lake Park in Perth. Now, the current world record is 47.4 centimetres caught in the Netherlands in 2003. So this could potentially trump that if proven. Uh, We'll wait and see, but 52 centimetre goldfish. Crazy. What would you grill that bit of lemons, some chips? (gasps) No. Yeah, I was thinking salt it's a nice pepper. pet. Oh, or just let him free. Free Willy. Uh, I bet his name is Willie. Mad Larson, you have a good day. Thank you for that. <laughs> you too. Thanks. And so. stay listening to the Triple M Network today for all the news. As it breaks, you'll hear it here. Thank you for your company. The quickie clue for tomorrow is on our podcast right now. And uh, we'll talk tomorrow. Have a great day. I hope you stay well. Today's Wednesday. Today's Wednesday. Wednesday's house to beef. Tuesday soon. Monday is wash your day. Is everybody happy? You bet your life we are.